0: Eight hundred two nine eight nine oh nine three. That's eight hundred two nine eight ninety ninety
1: three. You guys, it's Rick Tittle.
2: Thank you for that, and welcome back to another live edition of Titillating Sports with Rick Tittle. This is how I'm going to talk the rest of the show. Titillating Sports with Rick Tittle. Are you making fun of me? No. You could actually take that accent and whatever uh, <clears throat> first language that is, foreign language, uh, you could say, he's making fun of me lightning sports with Rick Tittle. It's like, you're making fun of me. Where are you from? Bulgaria. Okay. Now I'm just talking in a funny voice. We're here for you. 1-800-878-PLAY. 1-800-878-7529. Get you in and get you heard wherever you might happen to be listening. In this great land of ours, once again, Bulgaria. And, um... Football, basketball, baseball, hockey, soccer, golf, tennis, auto racing, boxing, Olympics, Quidditch, rollerball, chess, checkers, rugby, cricket, all of the crickets, do you bowl a googly? A lot of times I'll ask that people like, what did you just ask? Can you bowl a googly? That's when you come in as the bowler, as we would say pitcher, but you can't break your elbow. You got to keep your arm straight you put a real nasty spin on it. It's kind of like a kick serve uh, in tennis. You ever seen a kick serve? I used to be able to do a pretty good kick serve, just not consistently. And so I would only try it on my first serve. No one cares. All right. Monica Diaz, Executive Director for Veterans Health Administration Homeless Programs will join us on the other side as we are on American Forces Radio Network. Thanksgiving week. hope the troops get some turkey, as they say in Ireland, turkey, turkey. One time Father Byrne said, did you have any turkey? And my brother said, I had Ticken, and he had to stay after school. That's a true story. We'll have the uh, U.S. Sailing President Rich, Rich Jepsen in studio with Karen Lyle. We'll also have Miss America Emma Broyles again and Michael Damien. Come on back.
3: Hey team, it's a full house. we got to pick up the pace. At
4: Hank's Restaurant, the line goes around
2: the block.
3: this for 12? Okay, I need the truffle oil drizzle.
4: What he needs is another line cook. Oh
3: man, are the quail breasts still in the sous vide? Dave, can you keep an eye on that, please?
4: Indeed can can help him hire great people fast.
3: I need Indeed.
4: Indeed you do. Instant Match instantly connects you with quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your sponsored job description. Visit Indeed.com slash credit and get $75 towards your first sponsored job. Terms and conditions apply.
5: People who come to Cricket stay with Cricket. Why is that? Well, if you ask someone with one of the latest and greatest phones from Cricket, they might tell you it's because of the amazing phones. Like the new iPhone 14 that lets you capture stunning photos in low and bright light. Plus, they'd probably tell you about the fast nationwide 5G included with all plans that lets you stream text talk and more, all at 5G speeds. Yeah, they might mention something like that. Smile, you're on Cricket. Cricket 5G is not available everywhere. Fees, terms, and other restrictions apply. See
6: cricketwireless.com for details.
0: internet for your home for 50 bucks a month that's less than two bucks a day plus no contracts no upfront costs no equipment fees and our 15-day guarantee call now 800-617-5145 800-617-5145 800-617-5145 that's 800-617-5145
7: has someone in your family lost a job recently
0: That's 800-788-1495.
8: Titillating Sports with Rick Tittle. Rick Tittle is a genius. The best show ever. He's so wonderful. Genius. The best show ever. He's so wonderful, titillating sports with Rick Tittle. Rick Tittle is a he's so handsome. He's a genius.
2: Thank you for that, and welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you coast to coast and around the world on the American Forces Radio Network. It is Veterans Month here in November, and there is good news to share when it comes to caring for those who did serve. New data shows that veteran homelessness is down 11% in the last two years. And since 2010, the number of veterans experiencing homelessness in the United States has declined by nearly half. But as we know and we see out here, especially in the Bay Area, where homelessness is still rampant, that the mission is not complete Joining us on the line right now is Monica Diaz, Executive Director for the Veterans Health Administration Homeless Programs Office. And uh, first of all, Monica, congratulations on the uh, the good start. But as I mentioned, we, we still have a long way to go, don't we?
9: Thank you for the congratulations and for having me here. Uh, certainly there's more veterans that we want to make sure that we serve, but we at the same time... Uh, uh, you know, acknowledge that the progress made tells us that we're doing something right, right? And so that there is uh, hope and efforts coming their way to continue to make uh, the progress so far even further.
2: What would, what was the first step? Um, because we know it's hard enough to, to help a lot of homeless people uh, who are of sound mind and don't have mental issues, but you think about veterans who are so... You know, I'll, I'll do this myself. You know, I used to be a sergeant in the Marine Corps or whatever it is. You know, it, sometimes it's harder with veterans for to have them reach out for help, uh, isn't it?
9: Yes, yeah, sometimes it's uh, difficult for a veteran, I would agree, to say that they can reach out to help. And I think that is one of the reasons why we're here today. We need to share more about this information and take the stigma and, quite frankly, the shame that sometimes is related to homelessness. And that will encourage our veterans to know that anybody can ask for help, including them, right? You know, if we think about it, uh, uh, homelessness impacts their whole health, right? Uh, Their mind, body, and soul. So when we provide housing to a veteran, we're not only um, giving them a place to stay. We're actually impacting the whole scope of their life. We're changing their lives at the end of the day for the better.
2: What would you say, uh, in your mind, is the uh, the 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 number one thing that you have found with uh, the veteran homelessness that uh, affects them more than anything? I mean, is it obviously not having a roof over their head? But what's kind of the common thread?
9: Uh, so there's various barriers that our veterans face, right, that take them into that pathway of homelessness and those vary significantly from one veteran to the other. Um, some of them can be individual barriers and factors, and others can be more structural um, factors around them. Uh, what I will say is that, you know, initially, uh, the first key to make sure that we start any any support services and any way forward is to make sure that they have housing, right? Like any of us, if we don't have a place to stay, we're not going to go to the next step to, to improve where we need to be. Uh, but our services here at the VA really are able to address the holistic perspective of homelessness, right, and the different pathways to get out of homelessness.
2: I know earlier this year, Secretary McDonough set a goal for the VA to place at least 38,000 veterans into permanent housing by the end of the year. How are we on that one?
9: Yes, that goal was set up uh, the earlier of this year, and you know, the, the target date is uh, December 31st. I am very excited to say that as of today, we're on target to meet that goal. And the reason that goal was set up was because even with all the progress that has been made, we do acknowledge and recognize that we don't want, not even one veteran, to remain homeless on the street. And so uh, that was the motivator behind this.
2: Also, I look at a couple of uh, states here. Do we have states that have basically ended veteran homelessness?
9: We have um, 83 communities in three states that have achieved an effective end and, uh, to veteran homelessness. And what that means is that in those communities or states, they found a way to systematically address homelessness. And uh, you know, part of that is being able to identify the homeless veterans in those communities immediately to be able to, as well, engage in supportive services and in housing right away. And that we make uh, homelessness uh, non-recurrent and that it's preventable in those communities.
2: I know for you, you know, growing up in, in Puerto Rico and, and dealing in the, the health field as you have and, and your, your husband has uh, served as well, this is really kind of a labor of love for you, isn't it?
9: It is um, certainly, a mission very close to my heart. Uh, my husband has served in the Air Force active duty. Right now he's a reservist, and um, he's a veteran himself. And so, uh, you know, as a military spouse uh, and being on the other side, right, of what a veteran experience is definitely very close to, to my heart.
2: What does the VA do for people who maybe, you know, they always say uh, uh, an ounce of prevention is better than a pound of cure. So, How is it that maybe you'll see someone on the verge of homelessness? Is there any way you can step in, or do you kind of have to wait till it happens?
9: No, I think that uh, you know it's key to step in uh, the earlier the better, right? There's uh, you know the services that we provide is not only for people that are already uh, homeless, and so we have veterans that are at risk of homelessness, and we are able to intervene so they don't fall into a pathway of homelessness in itself. And some of the services that VA provide includes outreach services. And we also have a nationwide call center that most of the time becomes the first step for any veteran to get help in um, immediate assistance, right? Uh, we also have uh, supportive services across the country where uh, they step in uh, to assist the veterans and connect them with affordable housing in their community. We also provide uh, rent subsidies, so even if they haven't lost their um, housing status, we actually can help them uh, continue to stay where they are and not fall into homelessness. We we also help, you know, the veterans involved in the criminal criminal justice system to access VA services and uh, to get a second or even a third chance, right? Uh, to be able to regain meaningful employment, and the ultimate goal is that, you know, that they can regain their level of independence as well.
2: Also, um, COVID-19 greatly affected the homeless community and obviously the veteran homeless community as well. How have you been able to, to deal with that simultaneously with the other issue?
10: I think we're very
9: grateful for all the resources that um, Congress has provided to us and the flexibility is given as well to be able to address uh, such a vulnerable population in a pandemic. Uh, we have provided outreach services. We as well have been able to provide supportive services to immediately uh, during the COVID pandemic get the veterans in hotels and motels if we needed to, right? Um, not only that, but the supportive services to immediately get them access to vaccination and uh, transitional bets across the country. So I believe that even though the pandemic was uh, obviously a challenging for all of us, we were able to address the needs of our veterans um, in ways that we couldn't have imagined thanks to the support that we receive and resources, the programs that we have, and the community.
2: And then uh, finally, uh, for you, um, the American public, you know, we, we don't do a very good job of welcoming our veterans home, giving them employment. A lot of times they're just left to fend for themselves after they have supported us and our allies. What can we do as the public to help?
9: Uh, I think that's an excellent question. All of us um, have a part to play in the veteran homelessness, right? And there are many ways that Americans can help. I would say if you're a veteran um, who is homeless or experiencing a housing crisis, or if you know someone, uh, you know, any veteran in your community experiencing that, please call the National Call Center for Homeless Veterans. And the number is 877-424-3838. Again, 877 877- Four two four three eight three eight. Also, if you're a landlord or housing provider in your community, rent to our veterans. Open the door of your units. Help them have affordable housing. That's that's a wonderful way to help the mission. If you're a business owner, um, hire a homeless veteran. Uh, Form our homeless veterans as well, and help them achieve employment so they can be able to regain their independence. And for everybody else, you know, that would like to know how they can help or have more information about our programs, I would encourage you to visit our website, which is va.gov slash homeless. Again, va.gov slash homeless.
2: There she is, Monica Diaz, Executive Director the VHA's National Homeless Program Office in Washington, D.C., doing outstanding work. Monica, congratulations, and, and keep up the good work.
9: Thank you. Thank you for having
2: me. All right, I'm Rick Tittle. We have some open lines on the other side. 1-800-878-PLAY. Get on in.
3: Call Pharmacy Shop 24-7 to get generic versions of Viagra or Cialis for as little as $2 a pill, plus free discreet shipping.
0: 800-709-4409. 800-709-4409. 800-709-4409. That's 800-709-4409. Uh, I joined the Army because my father and my brother were in the Army, I thought I'd better join before I got drafted. Son, uh, there ain't no draft no more.
12: There was one?
7: tittle always goes commando
2: all right uh, coming up next we'll have the head of u.s. sailing rich jepson in studio and uh, karen lyle for our salesport talk.com segment we have two uh two webcams on twitch.tv so we'll put them on them peeps in the next segment um the world cup yesterday by the way, this morning, we'll talk about it. Saudi Arabia gave us our first really big shock, beating la Argentina Albe Celeste 2-1. The king of Saudi Arabia has declared a national holiday tomorrow, if you want to know how big it is. <clears throat> right now, Polska and Mexico are 0-0 in the 69th minute. Robert Lewandowski, after a VAR check, he was pulled down. By his shirt in the box, it was a penalty, and uh, he hit it low to the right. It wasn't a horribly taken penalty, not that much pace on it, but Ochoa, who has doesn't age, and he's been the goalie for Mexico for about 500 years, he blocked it, so we're at nil-nil on that one so far. <clears throat> but yesterday los estados unidos playing vales wales and i predicted wales would win 2-0 uh it ended up 1-1 and it's it felt a little bit like a loss really the usa in the first half i i gotta say you know i i don't have a lot of faith in this team because they're so young and so inexperienced even the guys who play on big clubs don't really have tons of experience. Um, You know, our starting center forward is a guy who plays in the championship in England, which is better than MLS. But there's just not a lot of, um, what I think, palpable talent. But the USA came out relentless in the first half, and Wales decided that they wanted to play through the channels. For some reason, Kiefer Moore didn't start I was listening to the BBC podcast after the game and the three Welsh announcers, one female, two male, were all like, why didn't Kiefer Moore start? But then they gave Rob Page credit for completely abandoning his – they they gave the the, the USA way too much respect. They played so scared and they just sat back in their own box and the USA pressed, 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 which they almost never do. It's always the USA who plays scared. And so it was completely different and a beautiful goal. Christian Pulisic, a through ball to Timothy Weah, the outside of his right cleat uh, dispatched it an absolute gorgeous goal. And they really should have put Wales to bed at that point, but they couldn't get that second goal. <clears throat> Josh Sargent, aforementioned Norwich striker. Uh, he headed one off the post, but in the second half, they completely changed. They couldn't get their midfielders, like Bale and Ramsey, the ball. They just couldn't touch it. So they took out the DJ and changed the record. Daniel James came out of the game on the wing, and they just put Kiefer Moore up as a number 9 target. And so that meant that the USA had to drop deeper, and then that opened the channels for their midfield. And I, as I said, I've been highly critical of a lot of these players that we've had. Unfortunately, we had one of these refs, and we get this a lot, At the World Cup, these refs who give out yellow cards willy-nilly, and then they realize after they've given out six yellow cards in 20 minutes that they kind of have to stop giving them out. So then it's like, why, that thing, that uh, foul was way worse than three yellow cards. So there was no consistency. But this game, it didn't come down to the refs. It came down to a harebrained decision by Walker Zimmerman, basically our best fullback, in the box, Gareth Bale, with his back to goal, very experienced, knew what he was doing, stepped in front of Zimmerman. Zimmerman stabbed at the ball, went through Bale. I have no arguments that that was a penalty, because it was. And Bale, once the most expensive footballer in the entire world, dispatched it. Matt Turner got a hand on it, but it was a rocket, and he could not keep it out. And so um, what could have been didn't happen. Now, on the other hand, we didn't lose, which is good, but when it, you're in a position where it looks like you're going to win, then it feels bad. Uh, Kiefer Moore had a free header in front of the goal. I wondered who would mark him, and the answer was really nobody. He had a free header, and for some reason, he put it over the bar a couple weeks ago against Tottenham when he was playing for Bournemouth. He scored two of those, so he could score against Spurs, but not USA. Uh, so I kind of felt like that was a let off. We only had one shot on goal the entire game and that's the one that we scored on and I say we as an American obviously but you know I kept saying the last few weeks where are we going to get a goal where is it going to come from and I couldn't see where and so um, very happy to see it happen but I was really proud of our guys for coming out fiery coming out <clears throat> coming in hot um, and I was just absolutely shocked at Rob Page, the manager, his tactics in the first half to play. They acted like they were playing Brazil. It's like, look, we don't want to get boat raced. Let's just hang around for 20 minutes and then see what happens. The USA also thought got a little uh, tuckered out there near the end. Um, Serginho Des, which I, I've never seen him do anything for America, he dyed his hair gray, and he, <laughs> he I thought, had a good game. Um, I thought Anthony Robinson was fantastic. I also like Miles Robinson, who's out. Anthony Robinson, an Englishman, with a <clears throat> born and raised there, plays for Fulham. An American father, I'll take it. But when Tim Weah scored, and of course his dad, I thought if he could be anything like his dad, George Weah, then we'd really have something. He's the, the last person to score against Wales in the World Cup was Pele, 1958 in Sweden. Been a while. So the, I think about all the great Welsh players. If you played for Wales, you just knew you weren't going for a, to the World Cup. I mean, Ian Rush, the European golden boot winner, Liverpool and Juventus. You think about how great Ryan Giggs was. And by the way, Ryan Giggs was the manager of Wales, and he, got, he had to resign in disgrace over a sex scandal. And Ryan Giggs said in court, by the way, look, you know, when I see women, I have to try and pick them up. That's just the way I am. like, all right, well, at least you admit it. It's like, I'm not a womanizer. He's like, oh, I'm hell of a womanizer. What do you want? That doesn't make me a criminal. And they're like, no, but I think we're going to pass. I remember when Christoph Daum, he was the head coach of Germany and he was found doing a line of cocaine. And so they (laughs) had to put in Rudy Fuller to take over. You never know when these coaches are going to take over and do a better job. Kind of like in Michigan, that whole Fisher thing. Anyway, it's going back to the nineties. Um, it was. Uh, I was impressed by the United States in the first half. I thought they played with a lot of spirit, a lot of enthusiasm that I wasn't expecting out of them because usually we're very timid. It's like whenever the A's go to Yankee Stadium, they get really scared and they stand in the way outside the box. Outside of the Bash Brother years, the A's are always scared of the Yankees, which I hate. Um, <clears throat> England, uh, what they did to their opponent. Uh, Iran is exactly what I think they're going to do to America. Uh, I said they would beat us five, nothing. It was six, two uh, for England. And then today, as I mentioned, the real shocker was that Saudi Arabia beat Argentina. and uh, some and Argentina had three goals that were disallowed and ruled offside. And uh, these goals that Saudi Arabia scored were legit. I mean, one was outside the box. I just, I think a lot of times in these games, when you have a minnow, you know, it kind of reminds me of when Cameroon uh, beat Argentina in the opening game of Italia ninety. You just sort of on paper thinking, well, we're going to win. And I think that's also, you know, it's funny how Wales, with all their experienced players, that they were the ones with the World Cup jitters. And that the Americans were like, "Well, we've been here, <laughs> even though it's been eight and a half years." It's like, "Well, we we, we know what we're doing here," uh, even though they don't. Uh, I will give a shout out to Kellen Acosta, who, when Matt Turner, got a uh, had a uh, a brain poop that it looked like Gareth Bale was going to score from the halfway line, and Kellen Acosta dove into the back of his legs and got a yellow card, or else that would have been the ball game right there. And that would have been a pretty humiliating way to lose. So if you asked me before the game, would I take a 1-1 draw, I absolutely would take a 1-1 draw. But after watching the first half, it does feel like a missed opportunity. The good news is they didn't lose, unlike Argentina. They didn't lose, uh, so that's a good deal. All right, when we come back, Karen Lyle and U.S. Sailing President Rich Jepson in studio.
13: This is Karen Lyle of Salesport Talk and I'm sitting here with Chris Childers and we are discussing the Seabull Sailors program that is at Golden Gate Yacht Club. What exactly is this program?
14: Hey Karen, the Siebel Sailors program is an initiative by US Sailing. We're hoping to remove barriers to the sport and, and really barriers to continued participation. So US Sailing saw a big uh, dramatic decline among middle school age kiddos who've maybe completed a summer camp but can't figure out how to continue to access the sport. So. The Siebel Sailors Program goes uh, specifically to our uh, sailing communities around the country and tries to figure out ways to remove those barriers by providing equipment, coaching, and uh, consulting with each club to figure out ways to increase participation at their center, in their region, and around the country.
13: So what is the relationship between the Golden Gate Yacht Club and your program?
14: Golden Gate Yacht Club has a youth sailing foundation. They uh, applied to be a part of the first round of the Siebel Sailors program. So there was an application process in 2019 and uh, they got in. They are a supporting center. Um, Each region comes with several supporting centers and one primary center. So Golden Gate Yacht Club is one of two supporting centers uh, in the Bay Area alongside Alameda Community Sailing Center and the Treasure Island Sailing Center.
13: So what is this experience like for these middle school students who come out to sail on one of these sailboats?
14: That is a great question, because one of the things that really called me strongly to this program is what we do here in San Francisco in our unique location is very special to me. I wasn't ready to accept a cookie cutter program from U.S. Sailing. But what we're able to do is really organic to each individual center that we do. And of course, at Golden Gate, we have uh, one of the best venues you could ask for. We get our middle school kiddos Uh, really pre-high school coming out to see if they want to continue sailing on a high school competitive sailing team, to see if they might want to try out keelboats in that environment, to see what it's like to learn other great life lessons that you get from sailing. What's their experience like day to day? We do sailing school just like other folk. We do it in a pretty cool place and on a fast, fun boat and really just focusing on helping kids have a great time, learning how to be good learners and, and community members as they're doing it. You know, one of the big things is high school sailing in California is really competitive. One thing Golden Gate Yacht Club really wanted to do with its Siebel Sailors program is provide a feeder program to help out the greater high school sailing program in the Bay Area with more folks who've got a foundation of skills before they even get to high school. But we're really proud that we can get sailors on a fast, fun boat, learning the basics to give them a better shot at having success in high school sailing.
2: All right, thank you for that, and welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you coast to coast and around the world on the American Forces Radio Network. It's 940. This is when Karen Lyle of SalesportTalk.com comes in once a week and co-hosts this segment for me Uh, in studio, as you can see on the twitch.com cameras. Karen, how are you?
13: I'm doing great. Glad to be here in person.
2: And uh, on the other camera, you can see our in-studio guest, quite pleased to have him, the U.S. Sailing President, Rich Jepson. Rich, welcome to the show. And We were just talking before we went on the air that you were trying to be a meteorologist or a weatherman at one point, and you talked to Pete Giddings of uh, KGO7 over here. He was always known as kind of an irascible guy. What, what was that like to deal with Pete?
15: Uh, well, I had a very brief, irascible conversation <laughs> with him. Uh, I was calling him as a budding meteorology student mm-hmm. to learn... Just
2: get a little bit closer to the mic there, thanks.
15: To ...learn how I might... Um, make my way in the, in the profession, mm-hmm. and he was short and sweet and blunt <laughs> and said, kid, you don't want to be in this business. <laughs> That's, so
2: That's so lame. That's I, I so lame. I worked in TV for 10 years, and I remember people saying, it's too competitive. I'm like, what's not competitive? <laughs> I mean, ditch diggers <laughs> fight over the best shovel, <laughs> right? So I don't really understand. Anyway, all right, Karen, tell us uh, a little bit more about why Rich is
13: here. Well, Because uh, U.S. sailing is the governing body for sailing for the Olympics, but also, you know, just for races and all kinds of wonderful things. And I thought it would be a wonderful opportunity to talk a little bit about U.S. sailing's new goals because we have Rich Jepsen as president. And last time I saw you, Rich, we were in Tanzania in Grumeti in a private reserve uh, walking amongst the lions. What? That's true. (laughs) It's true. Forget sailing. I want to hear about that. (laughs)
15: Yeah, that's it. That's my travel company, but that's another story.
13: I was the wholesale person who who did the introductions to the to the uh, particular properties, and then then uh, OCSC was the one who planned the trips and took the people there.
2: All right. So tell us a little bit more about that. Uh, OCSE. OCSC.
15: Um, we started in um, 1980, and um, uh, uh, we um, were teaching people how to sail on San Francisco Bay, which is uh, a little tougher than it is to do in other parts of the country just because it's so windy here and you have the mm-hmm. big three, the current, the, the current. I really need you to talk wind, to them. I can't hear you. There you go. The current, the wind, mm-hmm. and the um, um, shipping. Mm-hmm. So um, we we're able to teach people things about sailing that you can't teach them if you're in L.A. or Annapolis or Newport.
2: What, what are the, What's the difference that you can't teach in the Chesapeake Bay that you can teach here?
15: Chesapeake Bay, when it blows like it blows here every day, nobody goes out. Mm. Just doesn't happen often enough, often enough for the people to get acclimated to it and comfortable in it, hmm. and so they consider heavy weather what we consider to be a moderate breeze. Wow, so it, it, it's not that, that we're so they're wussies. <laughs> well, I was gonna I was <laughs> gonna say um, that uh, one of the uh, trite lines is that the East Coast cowers in the lee of the continent, and uh, we 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 get the full brunt of mm-hmm. the Pacific Ocean. So.
2: That's the old joke of the East Coast lifeguard. It says, "How many lives have you saved?" And, saved? and he says, "No one's gone in."
13: <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Well, and now you spent 30 years with OCSC, and then did many things to end up at as the president of the U.S. Sailing. And can you tell us a little bit about um, Paul Kayart, who's a good friend of ours, and is now the um, the the coach, I mean, the head of the the Olympic team, and and you and he and and U.S. Sailing have been working on some goals, and we haven't talked to Paul for a few months. So, give us a little update on that.
15: Great, yes. Um, Paul is the executive director of Olympic Sailing, and he works um, directly for the board and the CEO. And um, his uh, uh, recruiting was um, difficult, but um, worth every. Penny and every hour we spent on it. He's a, um, a, a, you know, a bright mind, uh, unbelievable sailor, so well-known. And um, his um, leadership uh, of the vision that we have now, which I'll talk about in a second, and his, um, his notoriety means that um, our fundraising has been reinvented and um, uh, we're, we're raising money for our Olympic athletes like never before. Uh, which is something that the U.S. has to do because um, no government money goes to Olympic uh, athletes.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, Un- unlike a lot of other states. Um, how can these community sailing centers, these yacht clubs and others kind of collaborate together to help grow sailing, and how do they w- match together?
15: Uh, w- uh, well, uh, two things. First of all, uh, yacht clubs have already been changing how they recruit And they've learned from the community sailing programs. Community sailing as an entity has been around since the 60s, but there had always been a a red line between the two. Um, And uh, yacht clubs were um, uh, private clubs that were insular, and community sailing programs were sailing for everyone, democratizing sailing. What community sailing learned was that um, putting equipment and expertise in front of new sailors is the way to bond them to the sport for a lifetime. And yacht clubs started realizing that they could grow the size of their um, clubs and uh, uh, stabilize their um, uh, finances by doing the same thing. So club-owned boats, um, uh, instructors for both adults and youth, and Uh, Actually recruiting rather than waiting for someone to get their, you know, three sponsors and two recommenders and and a letter from the Commodore in order to even be invited in. So yacht clubs are becoming more welcoming uh, and more inclusive and community sailing programs are uh, getting some of the benefit because there's now a lot of overlap in leadership between yacht clubs and community sailing.
13: And speaking of uh, diversity, which is something you alluded to in in your comments about community sailing versus the insular yacht clubs, there now is um, a direction that a lot of yacht clubs and organizations like PICYA and other regional organizations are trying to, to be more inclusive. But also, you would like to see the... Olympic team be representative of what we have in in our country how how do you see um, there being an open hand or 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 should I say how how are people not going to be excluded
15: (laughs) yes well first I'll say it's 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 not enough to be inclusive uh, because US uh, US sailing of course but sailing in general has really um, uh, uh, not resonated with um, uh, many people of uh, communities of color, certainly not uh, with women in sufficient numbers to to even begin to reflect the female population in this country. And it's been considered by everybody a sport for rich, old, white men. Mm -hmm. So uh, uh, um, the sport has to break that down, but more importantly, the sport has to do outreach. For instance, for the first time in U.S. sailing's history, we reached out to an all-black uh, um, boating club in the Chesapeake Bay and said, we want to know you better, and we want to serve you. We want to find out what we might be able to do to make your lives better, rather than saying, hey, come join U.S. sailing. And so they were overjoyed, and the next day, they're, <laughs> someone called up and signed up the Organization for U.S. Sailing Organizational Membership. Um, and so uh, just just by recruiting and, and expressing enthusiasm for their participation, we were able to get some people who were outside the U.S. sailing uh, bubble. It's going to be harder to get non-sailing people of color in. That's a much bigger recruiting effort, and it'll take decades to, to even approach um, uh, uh, reflecting the demography of America.
2: A couple more questions for Rish. Rich Jepson, U.S. Sailing President, I remember when I was playing tennis in, in high school and they always said you should join the USTA, you should pay your fees and be in the USTA. Why do you think it's important for sailors to be members of U.S. Sailing?
15: U.S. Sailing organizes sailors' passion. Not only in racing but also in cruising, in offshore racing, in youth sail training. Everything that sailors are passionate about, we have a hand in making it better for them. So so that's the doing good part. The doing well part is uh, we have tons of really generous sponsors, and a, a regular membership is um, uh, you save 2x over what you pay just in the uh, discounts that are available from really high-level manufacturers and stuff that sailors need every day. It's foul weather gear, sailing shoes, sailing gloves, um, um, Shatterproof uh, sunglasses. Uh, just the, the list goes on and on. So um, you can do well by doing good um, uh, by buying your U.S. Sailing membership.
13: Well, and also U.S. Sailing has established a accreditation standard um, for many different areas. But I know particularly uh, that that OCSE was uh, a U.S. Sailing accredited school, and now Sailing Portal is an Inspire Sailinger in 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 the Berkeley. Marina, also as U.S. sailing accredited schools, what is it that accreditation adds to the experience for the the sailor?
15: Well, uh, aside from the credibility of being, um, uh, uh, you know, standing up to the standards of the national governing body, it actually makes schools better, especially when they first sign on, because there are best practices that they may not have been aware of. Because most of us who got into running sailing schools were sailors who were interested in that, but we there's no professional. There was no professional training for sailing school operators back in the 70s and 80s when I got into it. So um, by having nationally recognized experts build the best practices, build the standards that the schools have to meet, um, it makes them better, and um, and then that's good for U.S. sailing because a better sailing school makes a student more likely to fall in love with sailing for life than we have a new member.
2: Last question for you, it's a two-parter. Can you think of your greatest moment sailing and maybe your most perilous moment sailing?
15: Um, my God, there's been so many. Um, I think my greatest moment sailing was um, not racing, interestingly enough, um, although I've had some great moments doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, in our travel business, we ran sailing flotillas. And there was one morning uh, that we were on the island of Kea, K-E-A, in Greece. And it was full moon. And we had to sail west to get to um, uh, Idra in the uh, Saronic Gulf. And it was a long sail, so we had to leave right at just before sunrise. Um, so we had um, the sun rising uh, behind us and the moon setting in front of us. Wow. And wind was blowing hard from the um, north, so um, on our starboard side, um, 25 knots. So we're beam-reaching in an incredibly glorious, beautiful country and, and uh, sailing area with with our, our two planetary or, or, or <laughs> celestial bodies uh, in their full glory. So uh, uh, that's my, my most memorable one. Mm-hmm. Transcendent. It w- was transcendent. And we
2: have less than a minute, your most okay. perilous one?
15: Um a, a microburst in the Chesapeake Bay out of Annapolis uh, while we were herding 16 new sailors mm. on uh, 16 sailboats for Annapolis Sailing School. And uh, half of them were uh, knocked over. Ugh. And we had to scurry around rescuing boats and getting people out of the water and back on their boats in 16 knots of breeze, which is about wow. 70 miles an hour. Wow. And, um, yeah, it was the most frightened I've ever I been.
2: take back what I say about them being wimps back then. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone make sure to check it out, uh, ussailing.org. And we've been speaking with uh, Rich Jepson and, of course, salesporttalk.com with uh, Karen Lyle. Thank you, t- you two, for coming in studio today.
15: My pleasure.
13: And check out Salesport Talk. There's a page also on Rich, and there's a lot of great stuff on there about his experience.
2: Salesporttalk.com. I'm Rick Tittle. We'll come on back on byline.
16: Call Rate Genius now.
0: 800-811-7913. 800-811-7913. 800-811-7913. That's 800-811-7913. Not all
17: applicants qualify for a loan or rate savings. Actual offer terms, including APR, are determined at the time of your application based on creditworthiness, value of the vehicle, loan term, and other factors. Remember in the beginning, when you first started to build a life for you and your family, you never imagined it would come to this...
7: I wish you would try and
1: slap Rick Tittle's mama's face. He would clown you.
2: All right. Uh, thank you for that. And uh, just went out and uh, Darren wasn't around. So Karen took a picture of uh, me and uh, Rich. My eyes completely closed. She took one picture. So that picture is now in the delete pile. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you should always take more than one. <clears throat> you would think that a girl would know. Sorry. Uh, one eight hundred eight seven a play. Uh, still ruminating over the shock of the uh, Saudis beating uh, Argentina, and as I said, a national holiday in uh, Saudi Arabia. And for uh, those of you who you know want to take a stand on some of these you know rights, and, and you know Gianni Infantino, the head of FIFA, had a bizarre. Outburst saying, for those of you talking about human rights, what about we Europeans? We were the worst ever. And it's like, yeah, I, I guess. And then you also had um, the Iranian national team not singing their national anthem yesterday in protest, which is very rare to see from that area of the world. And um, women aren't allowed to go to soccer games in Iran, so some have gone to Qatar but this is mostly because of the uh, murder of Masa Amini, a woman who wasn't wearing her hijab tight enough, went to prison, and she was killed there. So, the, a lot of the Iranians, enough is enough. I'm Rick Tittle. We'll come on back. We got two more hours.
18: Radio News with Tim Berg. Consumer prices increased over 13% from January 2021 through August 2022, according to Congress's Joint Economic Committee. Appearing on Fox & Friends, Florida Republican Congresswoman Kat Kamick she thinks spiked inflation.
13: You don't spend over $10 trillion in 23 months without consequence. Because of the left spending, every single American family today is paying $8,500 more this year than they did last year.
18: A federal judge is ruling against a former Biden administration official.
5: A federal judge on Monday rejected former White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki's attempt to stop a subpoena and avoid being deposed in a lawsuit alleging the Biden administration conspired with social media companies to suppress factual stories because the content would hurt Democrat candidates, the complaint alleges. From the West Coast USA Radio News Bureau, I'm Lance Pry.
18: A magnitude 6.2 earthquake has rocked Mexico's western coast. The quake the coast of Baja, California, south of the city of Esconda, around eight forty this morning, the quake didn't trigger any tsunami warning. So far, there have been no reports or injuries. Railroad unions and management are heading back to negotiate as a national strike looms large. This, after the White House praised a tentative deal in September between railroads and unions over longtime disputes about pay and working conditions. If a deal isn't reached soon, a strike could take place next month. Vice President Harris plans to run with President Biden if he seeks re-election in 2024. While in the Philippines, Harris added she and the president have done many things to help the American
3: people during their time in office. USA Radio News. To buy a million dollars of affordable term life for you, all you need to do is call Big Lou at 800-568-2790. Lou will make sure the scales are tipped in your favor. Call 800-568-2790. Big Lou will answer your call and work to fit you into a term life policy that you can afford. Remember, Big Lou's like you. He's on meds, too. Call 800-568-2790. 800-568-2790.
18: Tennessee Republican Congressman Mark Green is visiting the southern border on Tuesday with House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy. Appearing on Fox News, Congressman Green explains why Republicans are making the trip. We're here to shine a light on really this is a failed policy. You know, thousands of American families that are dealing with fentanyl uh, deaths in their families, you know, communities that are being overwhelmed from El Paso to Nashville. An Oregon couple has something extra to be thankful for this Thanksgiving.
16: An Oregon couple is celebrating twins that are likely to be the longest frozen embryos to result in a live birth. When Rachel Ridgway On Halloween, her healthy twins came courtesy of embryos donated 30 years ago. Parents Rachel and Philip used a faith-based national embryo donation center to help grow their family of four other children, all born by natural conception. In the USA Radio News Midwest Bureau, Katie Lewis.
18: A Michigan man described by federal authorities as a prolific trafficker of child pornography has been given a 20-year prison sentence. Dylan Hill of Novi had over 3,900 images and videos in his home when authorities conducted a search earlier this year. Officials said in 2021 he distributed hundreds of images and videos to others over social media. For USA Radio News, I'm Tim Berg.
2: Thank you for that. Welcome back to the show. <clears throat> Mexico and um, Poland with a goalless draw. It's going to be tough. I mean, Argentina has already have zero points with a minus one goal difference. they got to play Mexico and uh, Poland next. Um, but, uh, yeah, first game was a sho- shocker. Excuse me, burp with the uh, Saudis beating the Argentines national holiday in uh, Saudi Arabia tomorrow. You can thank your soccer heroes for that. But, you know, it's interesting how I was talking about the national anthem, how BN television, which is owned by the Qataris, they didn't show any of the uh, protests. You had to hear about it. Second hand, but also there were a lot of teams. Uh, I know Harry Kane of England said that they were going to wear the armband that said "One Love" with the rainbow flag on it. And um, apparently, there was going to be some huge fines, yellow cards, um, sporting sanctions, as they kept saying, if they were, if they dared to wear it. But <clears throat> FIFA said. You can wear these armbands. It's kind of like in the NFL, it says, stop hate and racism on the back of helmets, Sam Murrell, a comedian said, I saw a guy in central park had a shirt that said F racism. Like, okay, problem solved. But the things you can wear are hashtag football unites the world. Hashtag save the planet. Hashtag protect children. (laughs) Hashtag share the meal. Hashtag education for all. Hashtag football for schools. Hashtag no discrimination. Hashtag be active. And hashtag bring the moves. But you cannot have one love. Isn't that funny? No discrimination, but no one love. Um, I hate the term sport washing because it's a catchphrase, but this is really what sport washing is, is you pretend Like you're on board with everything. And look how great our country is. And you use sports to try and trick everybody. I'm Rick Tittle. Come on back.
7: This Thanksgiving at Total Wine and More, find bourbons and cabernets that you adore. Our helpful guides are so friendly and nice. The bottle's so perfect and perfectly priced. So gather with friends as you sit down to eat. Grateful for all who made Thanksgiving complete. Love what you find. Always lowest prices at Total Wine & More. Drink
1: responsibly, B21.
9: Moments like watching my grandson steal second mean a lot to me. But after being diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer, or MBC, which is breast cancer that is spread to other parts of the body, they mean
7: even more. I take Ibrance, lip. Ibrant's 125 milligram tablets with an aromatase inhibitor is for postmenopausal women or for men with HR positive HER2 negative NBC as the first hormonal based therapy. Ask your doctor about Ibrant's and visit ibrant's.com. Ibrant's may cause low white blood cell counts that may lead to serious infections. Ibrant's may cause severe inflammation of the lungs. Both of these can lead to death. Tell your doctor right away if you have new or worsening symptoms, including trouble breathing, shortness of breath, cough, or chest pain. Before taking Ibrant's, tell your doctor if you have fever.
20: Are you looking to improve your baseball swing? You need the Rip Grip Pro. Co-created by Dodgers AAA star Drew Avins, the Rip Grip Pro will help you stay palm up, palm down, and pull the barrel of the bat through the zone instead of pushing it. Check out Drew's videos at ripgrippro.com and you'll see how this can help you or the baseball player in your family improve your ABs. Get the adjustability in your swing that you need Go to ripgrippro.com. That's ripgrippro.com.
8: Hour two of titillating sports. You thought it couldn't get any better, but it's better. Rick Tittle is back. He's so great. I can't believe how awesome he is. More sports talk, yes. Couldn't get any better, but it's better. Rick Tittle is back. He's so great. I can't believe how awesome he is. More sports talk, yes. Hour two of titillating sports. Hey,
21: check out Channel
8: 9. Check
2: out Rick Tittle. Thank you for that, and uh, welcome back to the program. Rick Tittle with you coast to coast and around the world on the American Forces Radio Network. Great to have you with us wherever you are uh, listening. And uh, once again, Saudis shocking the world with a 2 1 win over Argentina this this morning, and the Poles and the Mexicans have just drawn nil nil uh, Guillermo Ochoa, who's what's this, his fifth World Cup, he just uh, stopped a penalty from the great striker Robert Lewandowski. So we're talking a little soccer. And uh, with uh, that in mind, it is uh, our pleasure to welcome to the show Ryan Renteria, and uh, he is the founder of uh, Stretch 5, and he's here to talk about uh, his uh, native Sacramento and hopefully getting MLS up there Ryan, welcome to the show. I went to the uh, Roots uh, game up there against the uh, Republic uh, over there at uh, Cal Expo, and um, I was uh, very impressed uh, with the uh, the numbers and the enthusiasm and the amount of uh, jersey sales really for, for both teams. I thought the Roots traveled well, and uh, you guys got something pretty uh, pretty good on your hands there, don't you?
21: Uh, yeah, thanks for having me,
6: Rick. Uh, happy to be here, and I was at that game with my son as well, and uh, I'm glad you got a flavor for um, Sacramento having some of the best soccer fans in the country. I mean, the the attendance numbers of that Sacramento Republic have been phenomenal, and you can see, um, you know, the the Tower Bridge Battalion that rallies the crowd and how raucous the environment can get, and a lot of those guys committed to season ticket uh, become season ticket holders if we do land an MLS team, so.
2: And you're a SAC guy, right? I mean, born and raised.
6: Born and raised, went to college in the Bay Area, spent 17 years in New York City, and moved my family back home uh, four and a half years ago and couldn't be happier to be home.
2: So, you know, we've seen, like, I'll I'll use the example of Cincinnati. Um, They were outside the MLS, but I think they were third in attendance of any city of any soccer team in the nation, and they just could not be denied. It's like, all right, we'll give it to you. But now uh, MLS has been expanding so fast. I think they're expanding too rapidly, personally, because I'm, I'm, I like. There's a team in Charlotte. Like I have to keep reminding myself where some of these new teams are. But as they are expanding, are, are you guys kind of use that same Cincinnati model? Like we can't be denied. Look at us.
6: Well, uh, I, it is the spirit of Sacramento. I think it's the the line is the indomitable spirit and. Kevin Nagel and the local investors have been working very hard on this for seven plus years. Um, And I think we have a very good case to be made, not only just from a soccer standpoint uh, in terms of how well the Republic has done, but the stadium plan that we have in place, it's world-class, it's shovel ready, great local investors. And then if you look at Sacramento as a city, just the increase in remote work has been driving folks to Sacramento. There's explosion in restaurants and craft breweries. There's development around the, relatively new Kings arena downtown and great weather and she's very well located as well. So I think there's a lot of reasons to be bullish on Sacramento uh, as a city, as well as its soccer prowess.
2: Well, you also think about the the flight from the Bay area a lot of Californians moving to Boise or Austin, the nine one six. And I'm just, and I'm even talking like, El Dorado County and Sac County is mm-hmm. as high up as Folsom. I mean, they can't build schools fast enough and those are all right. poten- potential fans for you guys.
6: That's exactly right. Yep. That, that is very much in line with the case that we're making.
2: So um, you say shovel ready, uh, same location to build a new stadium or do you want to be downtown? What's the plan?
6: Uh, the stadium would be in the rail yards uh, area downtown and um, it's it's, an absolutely phenomenal plan. It's ready to go. Um, And it's probably a 15 minute walk from the Sacramento Kings arena where there's development around there. And so I think the future of of downtown is just very attractive as an entertainment district, particularly if we are able to get a, um, an MLS team down there.
2: So is the, uh, how do you go about it? I mean, is, uh, because I, you know, I remember talking many times to, uh people with the the New York Cosmos and and uh you know I've talked to I've had the the owner Ed Reese he's of roots he's been on my show as well um a lot of these teams say look it, it ain't gonna happen MLS is not gonna happen we're just going to embrace what we have right here um I kind of like the fact that you're like no we we want the highest brand of soccer on the continent and so uh, wh- how do you go about that
6: well <laughs> that's probably a multi-hour conversation and, and the folks that are closer to the process are better to answer that. But um, I, I think that, um, you know, our efforts will be strong and, and you lay out that you have phenomenal proven soccer fan base, a great stadium plan, great local investors and a city that people are going to flock to over time and the development that will happen around the arena. And I think if you have those things in place, it, it makes her a very strong case relative to, to some other cities.
2: And how about Josh Cohen in the Champions League from Makaba Haifa, you know, going up against guys like Messi, a Paris Saint-Germain, uh, former? I mean, that's got to make you guys really proud.
6: I mean, look, the, the quality of play in the U.S. has just been improving so much over time. Um, you know, it's just the MLS, I think, set record attendance last year, and we're four years away from the World Cup. And you can see the excitement building around this World Cup, let alone the one that's going to be in the U.S. in four years, and it's the world's most popular sport. And and over time, just it's a very good demographic: young, diverse, growing, and uh, and I think that's all very favorable for the outlook for soccer here in the U.S.
2: So, um, for people who uh, you know don't know about the Republic, let's say somebody's listening right now in Rio Linda, they're like, "I I, I tell me more."
21: Yeah, I, I would just say.
6: Um, you know, be there ready to support if we if we are able to get an MLS team. Um, you know, be there as as a supporter and and show that you believe in in the outlook for the city and and that you're a fan of soccer and and come to the the Republic Games now and scream and yell and and show what Sacramento soccer fans are all about.
2: Do you kind of feel like too if San Jose, which you know. They, they did the Sharks. Um, it didn't happen with the, the Giants. It didn't happen with the A's, but they built that beautiful park right next to the airport. You kind of feel if San Jose can do it, you guys can do it too, right?
6: Yeah, it's, it's you know, every city is, is in their own specific situation. Um, but if you look at the major things that, that the MLS would potentially look for in a city, Sacramento checks all the boxes. And I think that's why we were uh, originally awarded a franchise, um, and I think that um, you know we're black, we're back in play with with the current uh, situation, and and very much a strong candidate.
2: And tell us a little bit more. I mentioned Stretch Five. What's that?
6: Yeah, so I do uh, CEO coaching, um, and really what that is is to serve as an ally and sounding board to CEOs on a whole wide range of business and personal issues. These guys are very high-performing leaders. They want to take their performance and growth even higher. They're under a lot of pressure, and I use my experience to help them overcome uh, some of the challenges. And, And I would say best served by one example of thousands of different issues. I had a CEO come to me recently and said, look, there's a very tight labor market out there. There's a lot of labor shortages. I want to get better at attracting and retaining talent. And so I helped him involve his employees in creating these cultural bylaws, which are much more effective than the traditional values or mission statement. Uh, and this really helped them cut down on employee turnover and sell a major talented A player on coming to them over a competitor. So that's just sort of one example on on a whole wide range of business and personal issues that I end up coaching these CEOs on.
2: There he is, NorCal guy, Sacramento, Stanford, Ryan Renteria, trying to get Major League Soccer up there with the Republic in uh, Sac. Ryan, thanks for coming on, man. Appreciate it.
21: Thanks so much for having me. Take
2: care. All right. uh, Good stuff. And uh, Ryan retired at 30. (laughs) I forgot to retire at 30. I'm Rick Tittle. We'll come on back with Miss America.
19: Call today and ask about our buy one, get one free offer.
0: 800-761-9334. 800-761-9334. 800-761-9334. That's 800-761-9334.
7: Has someone in your family lost a job recently and now you can't afford your mortgage payment? or do you have a rental property and your tenants aren't paying you? Quick Cash Offer can come to the rescue and pay you cash for your home immediately. Yes, sell your home and get cash all over the phone without dealing with real estate agents and risking your safety by showing your home to lukewarm buyers. You don't need to lose your home to foreclosure. If you have any equity in your home, we will buy it and give you cash within days, all in a simple over the phone and virtual process. Call Quick Cash Offer now before the economy gets worse. Sell a home you can't afford or just don't want to get the cash you need today. 800-788-1495.
0: 800-788-1495. 800 1495 That's 800-788-1495. I I don't like my job and uh, I don't think I'm gonna go anymore.
7: Rick Tittle thinks there's a direct correlation between dogs and lightning.
2: Thank you for that, and uh, welcome back to the show. And uh, when we get our guests, we will uh, put them on the air. Uh, an interesting note from baseball today, and nothing to do with trades or free agency, we are in the hot stove league. It's funny trying to explain what hot stove league. you got to be American or maybe Canadian to know what that is. But... Alec Manoa, who had a great year for Toronto, a finalist for the Cy Young, he joined uh, Serge Ibaka, (laughs) the former Raptors forward on uh, Sportsnet, which is Canada, the podcast called How Hungry Are You? And during the interview, he was asked, By Ibako, who was the worst cheater in baseball history? Manoa said, Garrett Cole. He used a lot of sticky stuff to make his pitches better, and he kind of got called out on it. Now, Manoa has a point regarding Cole and sticky stuff. It was last year that baseball cracked down on using foreign substances like it was always there, but they would regularly check the pitchers, and Cole had been heavily criticized for using one of those. It was called spider tack then. And he denied he ever used it. And so when he asked if he ever used it, he said, uh, "I don't. Uh, I don't. I. I. I don't know. If uh, I don't quite. I don't quite know how to answer that. To be honest." <clears throat> That's his direct quote. Do you use Spider tack? Once again, Garrett Cole quote: um, "I don't. I don't know. I. I don't know if I. Uh, I don't quite. And I don't quite know how to answer that. To be honest." That's what he said. So uh, <laughs> they have some unpleasant history in the summer. Aaron Judge was hit by an inside pitch by Manoa. Nothing occurred, but Cole and Manoa shouted back and forth, and that's when um, Manoa said later to the beat writers, if Garrett wants to do something, he can walk past the Audi sign next time. So, as I said, Manoa had a two-two-four with 16 wins, be a very rich man, and um, <clears throat> Cole. By the way, had a three and a half ERA. Oh no, he did lead the entire league in strikeouts, though, which is something. And since I'm talking about the Yanks, he Aaron Judge is meeting with the Giants today, and for one day, Dominic can dream. For one day, he can dream. Because what if he says, you know what, I don't even want to get on a plane and fly back to where it's snowing. I think I want to stay here in the garbage and the trash of San Francisco. I think that's where I need <laughs> I need to stay. <laughs> but <clears throat> the, the reasons to sign Judge are obvious. He's one of the greatest players in the world. He's in the middle of his prime. He is beloved. He's a great guy. But a lot of people say, "Look, he's going to turn 31 in April. He's going to be playing his whole contract on the other side of 30. His eight-year deal will take him to 38." And uh, that being said, you know Harper and Trout signed their contracts when they were 26, and uh, you know uh, Trout, deep into his 30s, is signed as well. But with Judge, there are no seasons in his 20s. So an eight-year contract, look, you 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 don't expect anything out of him in those last 3 years all right i think until he's 34 he's going to be fine but yeah 6 foot 7 um if you look at the all-time hitters who were 6 foot 6 or taller and what they did after they were 30 dave winfield continued to rake so did frank howard but other than that you're looking at the best hitters in major league history after thirty at six foot six, it goes Giancarlo Stanton, Dave Kingman, and Adam Wainwright. Adam Wainwright is a pitcher. Yes. So if you look at other real tall guys, six foot six, Tony Clark, now head of the union, Dick Hall, Richie Sexton, former Brewer, Daryl Strawberry. Do you take that into consideration? Because there's no counterpoint for the age thing. You can't say, oh, he'll be fine. When he gets... It's like the Albert Pujols contract. You, you just wanted to get a World Series out of him in his first three or four years. You didn't expect him to do anything in the last year of his career, and look what he did. <clears throat> there are other people who will say he'll never repeat what he did this year. It's, it's just not going to happen. I mean, his OPS plus uh, over 200 – you know, how do you come back and do that the next year? Only four players in history have done that and then did it again in the next year. Frank Thomas, George Brett, Norm Cash, you remember him from the uh, Tigers, and then Mickey Mantle. All right, we have Vince on the line. And, uh, Vince, I was at the Sharks game last night, your favorite team. How you doing?
12: Oh, well, they did great yesterday. I-, I would tell you one thing. Would not trade Carlson. You know, because I heard a lot of team you know feeding that there might trade Carlton but they'd have to eat like half the contract there's no way I would trade him you know um I think you know it's stupid to trade and eat half the contract it would it be T.O. Myers the only guy I would trade because um you don't have to eat any contract and you know it's like 10 million a year then you'd be able to send all your free agents and all your young all your younger players for a longer term contract that's the only guy unless um Logan Gertrude wants to get traded, which he does not. So that's what I would do. But how do the kids look? Are you liking the kids, the young guys?
2: Well, it's funny because after uh, we have our guests, Vince, can you – I'm sorry to cut you off. Can you give me a call back in uh, 1140? Sure. All right. I'm sorry about that. Yeah, we we do have our guests as they uh, have uh, shown up. And uh, this is not a rerun from yesterday. We're bringing in the lovely and talented Pride of America, Miss America, Emma Broyles, alongside Special Olympian Renee Manfredi. And uh, Emma, you are promoting a social impact initiative with Special Olympics. And as we learned yesterday with your brother being a Special Olympian, this is really near and dear to your heart, isn't it?
1: It really is. It's been so special to be able to give back to an organization that's given so much to me and my family.
2: And Renee, uh, for you, as a a Special Olympian, uh, how are you involved in this?
1: I am a Special Olympics athlete. I compete in several sports, basketball, softball, swimming, soccer, track and field, and volleyball. I'm also a global messenger, a health messenger, a Sergeant Shriver International global messenger, and a paid consultant for Special Olympics International.
2: Now, as a health ambassador, do you have to sneak it when you eat a donut?
1: No, no, no. My platform is to educate medical care professionals on how to best treat their patients that have intellectual and developmental disabilities, to offer suggestions and ideas so that they are prepared and have a better understanding of what an intellectual and developmental disability is, and to give us the time to really explain what our issue is, and try not to focus on the disability, but look past it and get to the true heart of the matter. Because there's a lot of diagnostic overshadowing going on, which is when a caregiver could just make an assumption based on that person's disability and not really listen to what the problem is.
8: Yeah, That is
1: my platform. And one of the statistics that is really... Scary and frightening to me is that an individual with an intellectual and developmental disability can die 16 years earlier compared to an individual without an intellectual and developmental disability without proper health care. And so that's my focus.
2: That's my platform. Wow. No, it's well said and very important. And just on that note about donuts, you know, Emma, last night I was at the San Jose Sharks game and they introduced meatballs in a waffle cone. So as Miss America, you're not allowed to eat that stuff because they'll be like, I saw Miss America eating meatballs in a waffle cone.
1: You know, that actually sounds really tasty. And I totally would eat that. I totally am allowed to eat it. I mean, half the time at events, I'm like, where's the food?
2: (laughs) Now, do you mix, like, you know, the uh, the traditional Korean food with, like, Alaska fare as well?
1: You know, actually, I haven't, but I think you're giving me, like, a good idea for a chain restaurant here. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, you could go Anchorage, uh, you know, barbecue your own meat,
1: right? yeah like an alaska korean mix like it's our take on like a
2: tex-mex restaurant i'm gonna i'm gonna take that and run with it i appreciate
1: the idea i'll give you credit tex-mex you call core (laughs) al yes if they can decipher
8: what it means
2: and uh, before we let you go renee um for all you do being a uh, a role model what's that like is you started off just being an olympian and what's it like having people look up to you now and and looking for you for inspiration
1: It's a huge honor. It's also humbling, and I feel so happy to be able to be the voice for those who may not be able to speak up, who are not always able to speak up for themselves. There are a lot of individuals out there that don't even know what Special Olympics is. I sure didn't until I joined in my 20s, and so my hope is that they will be inspired to join and have their skills and abilities Brought to light, whatever they may be, it could be public speaking, it could be a podcast, it could be anything.
2: Couple of great Americans there: Miss America Emma Broyles and Special Olympics athlete and ambassador Renee Manfredi. Thank you, you two, for coming on, and uh, we'll catch up down the road.
1: Thanks for Thank having you us so much.
2: All right, I'm Rick Tittle. Come on back.
5: COVID-19 moves fast, and now you can too by asking your healthcare provider if an oral treatment is right for you. Learn about a treatment option at treatcv19.com. This message is sponsored by Pfizer.
0: 800-754-4531. 800-298-9093. That's 800-298-9093.
7: What's the best product I bought this year? Oh, that's easy. Salon Pain Relieving Patches. The proven medicines in Salon POS patches reduce my pain and let me do the things I need to do every day.
11: In a recent clinical study, patients using Salon reported improved sleep, mood, and the ability to work. They had less pain and were able to reduce their use of oral pain medications.
7: For pain, I use Salon Paz. It's good medicine.
17: me Wait! She must have meant 10 o'clock at night. Do you think?
7: Why would she have you meet her in a bar at
15: 10 in the morning? I just figured she was a raging alcoholic.
8: I wish you
7: would try and slap Rick Tittle's mama's face. He would clown you.
2: All right. Thank you for that. I think I told Vince to call back at 1140, which you can. If you're still listening, you can call back now. I forgot I have a free segment here as well. 1-800-878-PLAY. Just to, um, I was getting into the Aaron Judge thing about people like, oh, don't give a guy that tall, that big, that old, a big contract. What are you going to do? He doesn't need to repeat what he did. He just needs to hit 40 jacks. Now, that doesn't just <laughs> say just 40 jacks. You don't need to hit 60. <clears throat> he hit 62, of course, this last year. If he hits 40 and drives in 110, do you think anybody's going to get mad? No, he almost had the triple crown. What, he hit 311? I mean, it's just you're, you can't expect the same thing. Now, the injury history... I think is something that you have to look at because when he was a rookie, he tore a quad. He was out two months. Um, in his third year, he had a PCL sprain and a bone bruise in his left knee. Um, <clears throat> that's actually what I have right now, which sucks. <clears throat> he was out only 24 days cause he had real doctors. Um, the next, uh, that same year, his season ended in September with a strained oblique. And then he had a shoulder injury after crashing into the wall and then he broke his wrist in 2018 and then another, a strain, another fractured rib, and then a calf strain missed a month last year. So that is something. All right, Vince, I have you back. You, uh, are you there? Yeah, I'm there. Okay, you asked me about the kids, and I just wanted to say it was weird. After all the years of going to a Sharks game for over a decade, it was like a rock concert. It was sold out, and the place was about a quarter filled. Now, they were playing the crappy Senators, um, but there were a lot of guys that would see their number, and I would have to actually look at my game notes to, to see uh, who they were. Um, and a lot of these guys have really bad plus-minuses, as you might Imagine, uh, but I thought uh, Kapo Kakanen looked really good, uh, which he hasn't a lot this year. This is maybe the first good game that he played. I'm um, I'm with you on Carlson. He's having a he's our all star uh, this year. Uh, but uh, I would love to keep a hold of Timo, Um You know, keep a hold of Kooch, uh, obviously. But these young guys, Luke Kuhnen. I can't believe they let him wear number eleven. To me, that should be retired for uh, Owen Nolan. Matt Benning might be slower than me. Um, Oscar Lindblom. You just make Steven Lorenz. Um, Yo, Yo, Jonah Gajevich. I did like Alexander Barabinov. I thought he was active. Uh, Noah Greger got his first NHL goal to open things up. And then the Rook, uh, Nick Sisek, uh, I think it was his fourth game, uh, played. Uh, but uh, so... Not overwhelmed by the youngsters, I have to say.
12: Yeah, but what I was saying with T.M.I. is, um, if you look at their structure of salary, they only have two hundred sixty thousand left, and to bring up their like their number one pick from the year before and the number one pick this year, each alone would make a million dollars. So they can't bring them up because of the salary situation. T.O. making ten million. If you were to trade them, and I was reading with Buffalo. They have like a number one, they have like really high picks for the last few years, but they have a guy a lot like Tio Meyer in the minors right now who's the number one pick uh, overall. And um, they trade, they would give like him to the Sharks on their number one pick. I think that would fit really well with the Sharks. And I'm not saying give them away, I'm just saying is you you want to get somebody um, really, really good for them. And it would free up the uh, salary situation. With Carlson I was reading, well the Sharks would have to eat up half their salary, there's no way I would trade it and do that. So I would that's the only way they could, you know, free up their salary and then they would be you know, okay for the going forward now. They wouldn't be tied up anymore. They could, you know, bring up the rookies as seen fit. No, I mean I I'm looking at and ch um Gere is saying the same thing. It's the Sharks are probably two years away from making a playoff. That's why I was thinking a trade like that would make a lot of sense. I mean I don't like to give them up, but you, you can't be at this salary situation and, and go forward. I mean, it's just insane. I mean, don't you agree?
2: Well, I mean, it's a it's an interesting question. Um, to me, Timo Meyer is still young enough to to build around, and and you know they have to figure out a different way in order. I mean, to to call up your youngsters and to get rid of one of your best players, shoot yourself in the foot. I would much rather get rid of Mark Edward Vlasic and that money. Uh, than than a guy like Timo he's Meyer,
12: nothing. Yeah, but uh, I mean, I, you look at him in a chart. They he's worth less than minimum wage is what they rank him. So mm-hmm. he's worthless. I mean, and he's making seven and a half million. Right. So you could do uh, buy out his contract, and then you, it goes to eight years. I mean, you can't keep doing that because then you'll you'll never free up your cap space. That's why that's not a good spot. You know, because they already they've already have three players. They're, they've done that too. You can't keep doing that; otherwise, you're going to be, you know, at the salary cap forever. That's why I don't think that that works. And the other, the other guys, and he also has a no-trade clause. You couldn't even trade him if you could. And um, everybody has a no-trade clause with large salaries, which were terrible contracts to sign with no-trade clause. Well, that's the and only way to get there. them
2: done. though. that that was kind of the rigueur thing in the league is that that's what everybody got, and that's the risk you take when you sign these big deals. I was I've never been a big Vlasic guy myself.
12: Uh, but I would. My rule would be three years max, unless he's a, an all a super all star, which none of those guys were. And the second thing I would do is no trade clause would not be in there. I don't care. I'd rather yeah, but then you're not gonna. To that
2: that's what Billy Bean Bye. does. Billy Bean never does a no trade clause, and and Billy Bean has never won a pennant. You know, it's just if you yeah, want you the best. Yeah, I know, but I'm it's saying what I'm saying, Vince, is that somebody else will give them more and then you miss out on the player. It it's not ideal. I would love everybody to not have not have a no trade. You don't want to be handcuffed like that. But if everybody else is going to give them more money and the no trade, that's all Jason Giambi wanted. He was going to stay in Oakland. But Billy Bean wouldn't give him a no trade. And so we we missed out on him and he went to the Yankees. And and to me it I just I hate I hate that short sightedness. Now, as I said, sometimes it comes back to bite you, but I would uh, you know, I was never. I remember talking to Dan Rusanowski. He loves Mark Edward Vlasic. I think Mark Edward Vlasic has always been a little bit overrated,
12: way overrated. And the other thing I would do is, like, like Little Joe. He went to Dallas. He got a three-year deal. That's what I would do. Three-year deal. He has a. Uh, he doesn't have a no-trade clause. Most of these players, you could sign that way. They're not all stars. Look, if you're an all-star like the guy from Washington, one of the greatest players of all time. Yeah, all right. I give you eight years and, and the whole the whole pie. Uh, you know, even Carlson was an all star. You know, I I don't yell at that one, even though I wouldn't have done it because I, they were at the cap before. But those type of players, yes. But but but, but Plaskett and, and 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 all the other guys that they signed like that. I mean, they signed everybody like that. None of them were all stars. I'm sorry. I I think you know you could trade a guy like that and then get good draft picks and then. If he's not going to sign a three-year deal, I, I would not go to eight years unless you're an all-star um, to anybody. I'd be three years. would be the max I would go, and everybody would have it. I would not put the no trade in there. I mean, that's just my opinion. I did watch the soccer yesterday. It uh, was, was a good game. It was a tough tie. I mean, it, it was. Um, I, I thought it was an unnecessary hit on, on you know when he hit the guy near the goal when they had the shot on goal, I guess, you know, free kick or whatever you call it. But I I don't think he had to do that. But you know, that's a young team. But
21: uh,
12: what do you think their chance against England? Because England looks really good against Iran.
2: We're gonna lose uh, to England. Yeah. I I just hope it's I not. Mean, it's, I hope it's not a hiding. And look, I have hope. England are notorious chokers. I don't think it's gonna happen against us. Uh, but I think we're gonna have a lot more confidence because we showed in the first half that were not a joke, and, and, uh, and I didn't think we were a joke. I said that it was possible to beat Wales. Wales isn't Brazil. Uh, but uh, England, they, they brought off the bench Marcus Rashford, Phil Foden. They were bringing people off the bench that would be by far the best player. On the United States of America, so it's just that the talent is. It would be a Dave and Goliath thing, but I, I think uh, you know, I predicted five nothing, maybe now three nothing. I just don't, I don't see us scoring a goal in that game. Although Pickford, you never know. I mean, Rob Green spilled a ball, kicked right to him against Clint Dempsey in the World Cup. He had a howler, so that could happen.
12: Well, I also remember the U.S. against Russia in
8: 1980.
2: <laughs> oh, in hockey, yeah, I remember that. I was freshman in high it school. a miracles.
12: You know, that's what I'm saying. Miracles. You never know. I mean, it could happen. They could beat England. I mean, uh, it, 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 like I said, you wouldn't bet the house on it. If you bet on it, you'd probably get, what, 20 to 1 odds or maybe more? Maybe 40 to 1 odds for them beating England outright? Mm-hmm. I mean, but it's not a bad bet. I mean, if you've got a lot of odds. But I mean, I still, I'm going to hold out hope. I'm watching it Friday. I mean, good Friday, I guess. Hope you, I hope you're off on Friday get to watch Not it. Good Friday, yeah, yeah. Black yeah. Friday. <laughs> a black friday good I mean, friday if you're a uh, retailer
18: well,
12: <laughs> yeah it's a good friday if you're if you're shopping too <laughs> yeah yeah
2: only 3 shows this week in fact we're going to bring in Jan Wall Wednesday i believe to do a little entertainment thing Wednesday first hour
12: yeah well, i always going to also wish you a happy thanksgiving um the thing Thanks. is uh, the raiders won i wish they didn't because i'm hoping they could get a good draft oh day. come on
2: but you can't root for losses
12: well, I mean, I want I want a good quarterback. Now, oh, that
2: listen! It doesn't matter where we pick; we're going to pick somebody lousy. So just root. I mean, there's no Victor Wenbanyama in this NFL draft. So just root for victories.
12: Oh. All right. I mean, it's just tough, but I'm also rooting for the Eagles. You know, because I'm from Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. That if you look at that division, they could actually and this never happened in the NFL history yet. That entire division could make the playoffs. They're, Washington's only a, a uh, half a game out or, a, yeah, I think a half a game out or something like that. That would be weird. Actually the entire, wouldn't it be weird to everybody in that division... By the way, out. I'm going to be mean,
2: in Philadelphia in two weeks. I'm going to be doing my show from the convention center there for Army-Navy again.
12: Are you going to go to the comedy club? Because you always talk about Oh, the yeah. I wanna
2: go, I'm going to New York for sure, yeah. Oh,
12: oh man. that's I love the East Coast. I mean, New York's my favorite city of all the cities probably followed by Boston, Washington, and then Philly. I just, I just love the East Coast. I mean, yeah. I mean believe me, I'm a West Coast It's fun to visit. I,
2: it's fun to visit and then yeah. freeze and then get out. <laughs>
12: yeah, get out. Exactly I don't I know feel, if I would right? love, it I love, love it me. if I
2: lived there, but it sure is fun to visit, yeah.
12: Yeah, I'd love to visit, too. I mean, New York, oh, Manhattan is just, like, totally awesome. I'm mm-hmm. just walking around there. I mean, the people are really cool. I mean, I don't know. I, I just love the East Coast. Boston's really cool. Everybody calls it a racist town, but I don't know. I don't see it that way. I mean, it's, to me, it's a fun town. Washington, mm. D.C. is a beautiful city, absolutely gorgeous. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I love D.C. Uh, yeah. I, know, I, I just love these guys. Army, Navy is going to be in shit.
2: Boston next year, too, by the way. That would yeah. be cool. Who are you going to root for? Oh, I'm Navy all the way.
12: Oh, I'm Army because my dad was Army. Yeah.
2: Well, I have relatives <laughs> in the Army, but my dad's dad uh, was a lieutenant commander in the Navy. Oh, so, that's right. Yeah, there's yeah, no see, way. My I, dad was Army, that's yeah, I'm I'm all. I mean, listen, as they say, they're only enemies three hours every year.
12: <laughs> but was your dad the same way? I don't know. Because we were, like, boo in Philadelphia, like, he could boo everything except the Army-Navy game. He would, like, take my head off if you ever booed no. either the Army player or a Navy player. No, my so dad, was, like, my dad was
2: he was too jokey. He wasn't that serious. But, uh, yeah. Oh. Hey, Vince, I got to run, man, but thanks for the call.
12: Yeah, go Sharks. Hopefully you win. I hope the Warriors get their act together.
2: <laughs> I think they're getting there. I think they are.
12: Uh, All right. take
2: care. Have a
21: happy Thanksgiving.
12: All
2: right, you too, Vince. Thanks for the call. I'm Rick Tittle. Come on back.
22: Here's the
0: number. 800-725-1651. 800-725-1651. That's 800-725-1651. Paid for by Legal Alert Line.
22: I'm sorry, it's the, it's the pleats.
19: It's, a, it's actually an optical illusion. It's the pattern on the pants. That it's not fl- flattering in the, the crotchal region. I'm actually taking them back right now, taking them back to the
22: pants store.
17: Piddle is a majestic stallion.
2: All right. Uh, do we have any updates on uh, Aaron Judge, like where he's going to lunch? <laughs> <laughs> I remember when uh, Hideo Nomo uh, came to San Francisco, and uh, he came to Candlestick Park. And back then, the, having a Japanese pitcher was more of a, uh, a novelty. It was sort of like, ooh um, what's this guy going to be like, you know, that type of thing. And they paraded him around, um, Candlestick Park and they gave him a Mickey Mouse doll to hold as he walked around. And it was this big Mickey Mouse doll in plastic wrap. And I thought, what's going on? And then someone said, well, that's a cultural thing. That, um, they, you know, when you come to America, the Japanese people in California, they just think that all of California is Disneyland. I'm like, no, they don't. They're not stupid, but it's sort of like, <clears throat> I guess when you get off the plane in Hawaii, they put the lay around your neck. I didn't get that. And that's an older tradition. But uh, Hideo Nomo picked the Los Angeles Dodgers. And I remember he said, in Japan, we only care about three teams, the Dodgers, the Giants, and the Yankees. I remember he said that at the press conference. And I guess the Mickey Mouse doll wasn't good enough because he picked the the Los Angeles Dodgers, as we know. All right, another hour to go. Come on back.
18: Radio News with Tim Berg. Consumer prices increased over 13% from January 2021 through August 2022, according to Congress's Joint Economic Committee. Appearing on Fox & Friends, Florida Republican Congresswoman Kat Kamick she thinks spiked inflation.
13: You don't spend over $10 trillion in 23 months without consequence. Because of the left spending, every single American family today is paying $8,500 more this year than they did last year.
18: A federal judge is ruling against a former Biden administration official.
5: A federal judge on Monday rejected former White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki's attempt to stop a subpoena and avoid being deposed in a lawsuit alleging the Biden administration conspired with social media companies to suppress factual stories because the content would hurt Democrat candidates, the complaint alleges. From the West Coast USA Radio News Bureau, I'm Lance Pry.
18: A magnitude 6.2 earthquake has rocked Mexico's western coast. The quake the coast of Baja California south of the city of Esconda around 8:40 this morning the quake didn't trigger any tsunami warning so far there have been no reports of or injuries railroad unions and management are heading back to negotiate as a national strike looms large this after the White House praised a tentative deal in September between railroads and unions over longtime disputes about pay and working conditions If a deal isn't reached soon, a strike could take place next month. Vice President Harris plans to run with President Biden if he seeks re-election in 2024. While in the Philippines, Harris added she and the president have done many things to help the American
3: people during their time in office. USA Radio News. To buy a million dollars of affordable term life for you, all you need to do is call Big Lou at 800-568-2790. Lou will make sure the scales are tipped in your favor. Call 800-568-2790. Big Lou will answer your call and work to fit you into a term life policy that you can afford. Remember, Big Lou's like you. He's on meds, too. Call 800-568-2790. 800-568-2790.
18: Tennessee Republican Congressman Mark Green is visiting the southern border on Tuesday with House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy. Appearing on Fox News, Congressman Green explains why Republicans are making the trip. We're here to shine a light on really this is a failed policy. You know, thousands of American families that are dealing with fentanyl uh, deaths in their families, you know, communities that are being overwhelmed from El Paso to Nashville. An Oregon couple has something extra to be thankful for this Thanksgiving.
16: An Oregon couple is celebrating twins that are likely to be the longest frozen embryos to result in a live birth. When Rachel Ridgway On Halloween, her healthy twins came courtesy of embryos donated 30 years ago. Parents Rachel and Philip used a faith-based National Embryo Donation Center to help grow their family of four other children, all born by natural conception. In the USA Radio News Midwest Bureau, Katie Lewis.
18: A Michigan man described by federal authorities as a prolific trafficker of child pornography has been given a 20-year prison sentence. Dylan Hill of Novi had over 3,900 images and videos in his home when authorities conducted a search earlier this year. Officials said in 2021 he distributed hundreds of images and videos to others over social media. For USA Radio News, I'm Tim Berg.
2: Thank you for that. Hour three underway. What's going on? I'm Rick Tittle. It's great to have you with us. 1-800-878 play. 1-800-878 7529 I'm talking like Gavin Newsom. He talks like this and he always says real time. We will get this done in real time and the votes will be counted in real time and I will talk like this in real time. France and Australia underway in the six-minute nil-nil in the World Cup. In Group D action, Cristiano Ronaldo will never wear a Manchester United uniform again. And uh, Portugal has not played yet, but United terminated their contract today. And the feeling is mutual. Uh, he went on this explosive interview on Talk TV in England. He accused the club of betraying him. He said he had no respect for head coach Aaron uh, Eric Ten Hag. Instead, uh, they've, uh, <clears throat> they're have they going to force him out, 37 years old. He actually wanted to go to Man City, and Sir Alex Ferguson said, you can't do that, and then he said, you're right. But the club <clears throat> said, quote, Cristiano Ronaldo is to leave Manchester United by a mutual agreement with immediate effect. The club thanks him for his immense contribution across two spells at Old Trafford, scoring 145 goals in 346 appearances, and wishes him and his family well for the future. Everyone at Manchester United remains focused on continuing the team's progress under Eric Ten Hogg and working together to deliver success on the pitch. My great-grandfather actually bought our first farm for Ten (coughs) Hogg and three goats, if I believe uh, memory serves. one 800 play J.D. Sharp is going to join us. And then uh, Michael Damian. Rock on. Remember Danny from Young and the Restless? Cute boy. Oh, yeah. He's here with his wife, Janine, because they made a Christmas movie with Lindsay Lohan. Oh, you can't make this stuff up. And then we'll have some open lines uh, as well. 1-800-87A-PLAY. Big shout-out to the troops listening both home and abroad on the American Forces Radio Network. You're doing a great job. Stay safe. Come home soon. We're proud of you. I'm Rick Come on back.
5: Well, I always
7: say that we we look at baseball in American history, right, as America's national pastime. That tells us something right there. That means that we attached particular characteristics to baseball that represented what we thought America was all about, right? If you leave out of that discussion the entire Black experience, then you're leaving out a huge chunk of American history.
19: From legendary sports broadcaster Ron Barr and the Sports Byline Archives comes a series that explores the players and the culture of Negro League Baseball.
11: Willie, if I could transport myself back to a particular time, I'd love to go back and be able to just watch the Negro Leagues. They were so special. There were players that played with great heart, great emotion, and a love for the game. You were involved with them. Tell me what was so special about them.
12: Well, uh, to me, now I can only speak for myself because I was only there two years. They made me say, hey, you going to go to the majors. That, that's just what they say every day. going to go to the majors. Not, we may not go because... When I was 15, those guys were 25, and they didn't have a lot of chance to go. They was only going to stay there. But they said to me, when I first got there, we're going to make sure you go to the maze. That means you're not going to do anything
21: wrong, you're going to do everything right, all you do is go out and play.
15: The archive of interviews includes Hank Aaron, Willie Mays, and over 50
19: other Negro League players, telling their stories in their own voices. Baseball was, uh, you know, everybody was just geared
10: up to play best baseball because Jackie Robinson was the first black to play in our day and time. And uh, he,
5: uh, he, he there, he's opening up all the, the players that were interested in baseball. I always felt like uh, there was hope. I always felt like if you just keep doing your job that... Uh, Somewhere he was going to touch somebody's mind and somebody's soul, and somebody was going to be uh, wise enough to realize the only thing that uh, you wanted to do was to have a chance to play baseball. It
12: is important that they understand that these leagues were segregated at one point in time and it was by no necessary desire of those black players that they weren't included in the major leagues. And so they did indeed create their league. And this league became a great league. And I don't want that to be lost. The courageous owners who financed these teams and the players who played against the backdrop of American segregation, this is quite significant.
15: Behind the Barrier, Voices from the Negro Leagues will be available on Apple,
19: Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you get your podcasts from.
2: Thank you for that. Welcome back to the show. Hour 3 underway. Australia with a goal past Hugo Lloris and uh, France trying to keep their campaign uh, rolling as they try to defend the uh, crown there. Ozzy, Ozzy, Ozzy. Oi Oi Oi. It's all right. It's just the twelfth minute French fans. Don't panic just yet. Uh, it is 11-12, and we bring in one of our friends from Pro Wagering, and it is the man himself, J.D. Sharp. And uh, J.D., for people who don't know... And I don't want to jinx you, but I think we're past the point of cooling you off. Your NFL season has been pretty much incandescently hot, right?
21: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's been good. And yesterday I did the show with Dom, and uh, I, I gave away the Niners minus nine and a half. They they won. They won pretty easily. They they won thirty eight to ten. So my record is now forty three and sixteen. Oof. that's, uh, that's seventy. That's seventy three percent sample size on fifty nine games. Um, I just did a video on my TikTok. I'm going to say the same thing right now. If you've seen the movie Two for the Money, that fictional scenario that you saw where Matthew McConaughey or John Anthony, I guess his name was, or Brandon Lang, whatever it is, he went like 12-0 and and 14-0 a couple of weeks, and then he went like 3-11 and and 2-11, and but he was about 80% over the course of the first nine weeks of that season. I'm actually doing that in real life and uh, it's 100% legitimate. So the people that have actually been following my Twitter account, my, uh, my, my TikTok account, at SharpBetting, have probably made a good amount of money. I've had one week where I actually lost. I think I went two and three, three weeks ago. And I could have had a bad week last week, but then I came back with the, the Redskins. Sorry, I, have to just, I, can't, I can't not say that. But mm-hmm. the Redskins, Commanders, whatever the name, football team, I came back with that money line, and, and then a two-unit play on the spread as well, so. Yeah, it's it's been a very very good NFL season for me. You could probably say it's been historic. Uh, I'm looking at the lines this weekend, and I'm not sure that I'm, I'm going to take the Thanksgiving bait. Some of those lines are pretty, they they're pretty interesting. That I think you're going to see. I think Vegas is going to do pretty well on Thursday in particular. So I may take one game, just kind of what I've looked at. But yeah, last night I took the Niners minus nine and a half, and now I'm 43 and 16 on.
2: So what you're saying is you're doing all right, all right, all right, is what you're trying to say. I'm
21: doing all right, all right, all <clears throat> right, exactly, precisely. So
2: I, I think it's interesting to hear you as a professional who does well saying, uh, I'm looking at these and, and Vegas is going to just give a hiding to everyone. What what are some of those telltale signs where you're like, yikes, I want no part of this?
21: Well, you've got you've got the biggest names, right? You've got Josh Allen playing. Against the lowly Lions, who really aren't the lowly Lions, I really—I told you—I thought Dan Campbell was going to be a decent coach, and he's done pretty well the last couple of games. And that offense is actually pretty good. I mean, Jamal Jamal Williams has 11 or 13 touchdowns on the year; he leads the NFL in touchdowns. So, and they've got a really solid offensive line. They're up with Penni Sewell, who they drafted a couple of years ago out of Oregon. Yeah, they, their offensive line is really good. And Goff, when he's when he's protected, he's got a good arm. He's got—he throws a good ball. He's—he's he's a pretty smart quarterback. He's cerebral. So we can play like that, even though they lost Hawkinson. And they traded him away. Then you know, Amon Ross, St. Brown's played well, obviously. And then they've had that lift from the running game as well. and They just got DJ Chark back. So you got Allen playing. I believe you've got um, the Vikings playing. I believe you have the Cowboys and the Giants playing. So you've got you've got some some pretty high, some pretty big name, high end teams and some lines that are really really you got like minus nine and minus nine. Uh, I, I don't know when you have those premium players playing, those big name players playing and then you've got big spreads, that that's usually when Vegas does really, really well.
2: It's interesting. You know, I remember, and uh, gosh, this was sometime in the 90s, 60 Minutes did this thing on professional bettors, and back then it was the old 800 number, right? Right, right. And yeah. they, they, they followed them for a whole year, and they found – that almost all of them came in about fifty percent wins, and so it was like you might as well save your money and flip a coin. And so when you're batting right. over seven hundred, this is actually significant news.
21: Oh, absolutely, yeah. And I've actually I've made it pretty clear on my uh, on, on several different places. I've said the only, the only the only radio show I do is this one. So your audience is the only audience that's getting these plays beforehand. And then, yeah, I put them on my TikTok, but I don't, I'm not putting them on. Although I did give the bills away. Uh, not the bills. The Browns plus eight, and they pushed. That game was disgusting, by the way. Those Browns, I don't know. I don't understand those Browns. Not, and I have a pretty good understanding of the NFL season, but those Browns, they have so much talent, and they just leave points all over the field. Brissette just randomly fumbles all the time. They don't kick field goals when they're supposed to. They don't go. They, they don't make it work on fourth down. They have as, probably have as much talent as any any team in the NFL, and they just don't produce. It's just they're just such a strange team. But I gave that pick away two days early, and that pushed. But besides that, I mean, yeah, the only place I'm having actual discussions about these games are on your show. So hopefully that's translating to a large audience for you, Rick.
2: Very cool. You know, the one thing on Thanksgiving that I took note of was the Bills and the Lions, the early game, the over-under is 54. Um, So they're saying there's not going to be a lot of defense played. What do you think about that number?
21: Well, yeah, you've got injuries on both sides. You have Allen, who has that big arm. Uh, the Lions have injuries in the secondary. Okuda's pretty decent, but he's got multiple receivers he can throw to. You can probably see Gabe Davis have a big game. Uh, Singletary played well. The Lions don't play well defensively. They're not good against the run. They're just not good defensively at all. And then that offense is efficient. And you've also got Tredavious White. He's probably out. Maybe Milano, maybe Edmonds. possibly Poyer. So you have all these different In Rousseau, you have injuries on both sides of the ball, and you've got two efficient offenses that are probably converting their third down significantly more than 40%. And in a situation like that, really what they're telling you is that there's going to be more touchdowns scored than field goals and not a lot of punting.
2: Right. And then conversely, on Sunday, the Broncos, and, and we saw, I mean, they've lost to the Raiders twice. They, they have a great defense and zero uh, offense. They're in Carolina yeah. The over-under is 36. I don't remember seeing an over-under <laughs> this low. Uh, maybe in when I played D2 football, I saw an over-under this low. Your thoughts?
21: I will, I will tell you this. So the, the Iowa-Minnesota game this last week, mm-hmm. over-under was 31.5. Wow. And they scored 24, I think, or 20, 26 or something like that. So it, it covered. But, yeah, no, I, I'm not sure I've seen a total that low before at 36. That's that's a pretty low total. You, you do it. You have two really good. You actually have two. One very good defense. One defense that has a lot of talent. And this could be a game where the Panthers actually kind of come up and maybe hurt the Broncos because the, the, the Broncos lost Bradley Chubb. They're good in the secondary, but they're not great up front. Deontay Foreman. You saw him play a couple weeks ago. When if if he plays a soft front, he's going to play well. The guy six foot two forty and probably runs a four five five. So uh, and then. I believe P.J. Walker will be playing maybe Baker Mayfield. That, that, that would be their problem. But, uh, yeah, I mean, not, not a game I'm probably going to touch, but it would be tough just to think about that game going over considering the circumstances and the teams that are playing. By the way, you mentioned that Raiders game. I think I told you that would be a three-unit play. Well, we talked about it last week.
2: Yeah, no. I mean, and uh, I just I thought they're playing their, the horrible team four weeks in a row. I just I wouldn't believe that they would actually win, and uh, they did. Let's just we have, we have about a minute. The Raiders are okay. the Raiders are at Seattle, and the Seattle's favored by three and a half. Do you see the Raiders building on this momentum or going right back to losing a close game again?
21: I do. I do. I think I think that'll probably be one of my plays this weekend again. I haven't had to cap very close. But you've got Tariq Woolen against De- Devonte Adams. Devontae Adams has been proven to be a top, either the best or a top three wide receiver in the NFL. He leads uh, he leads the NFL in touchdown catches. He doesn't have any help. Renfro hasn't been there. Waller hasn't been there. You know, Jacobs has played pretty well. You know, so he, they've already got that connection, him and Carr from, from college. I think they're going to have, have a hard time guarding him. I, I'm not, again, I'm not totally sold on Geno Smith. This will be a situation where a lot of people are sold on Geno Smith, and they're not sold on the Raiders. I think I think it may be one of those deals where Crosby gets a couple of sacks, the Raiders' D plays a little, little better than expected. Adams has that big game, or they put too much attention to him, and Mac Collins has a big game. Or maybe Foster Moreau and the Raiders actually end up winning that game outright. That's that's kind of what I see happening. But again, I'm not I'm not saying that's my play, and I haven't handicapped it, but just writing on the wall, that's kind of what I see
2: happening. JD Sharp from Pro Wagering. Stay hot, my man.
21: Hey, thanks a lot, Rick. Have a good one.
2: All right, I'm Rick Tittle. Come on back with Michael and Janine Damien. You're never
9: gonna get my love.
0: That's 800-788-1495. You
21: can't be serious, man. You cannot be serious!
16: Rick Tittle is a
7: majestic stallion.
2: Welcome back to Sports Byline USA, coast to coast, border to border, and around the world on the American Forces Radio Network. It's our pleasure to welcome the filmmaking duo of Janine and Michael Damian. Uh, They have produced and uh, directed the new film Falling for Christmas. And uh, Janine, ladies first, We, we hear this is the Lindsay Lohan Renaissance. Well, what does that mean to you?
4: Oh, well, you know, it's very exciting because um, Lindsay has taken a step back for acting and, um, and pursued some other um, opportunities in her career and has decided to come back to the big screen. So this is, her first, um, this is her first movie in quite a while, and the fans are really excited about it, and she has come back in a very big way, and we are thrilled to be part of it.
2: Michael the other thing is too when you think about Lindsay Lohan always in the tabloids but then if you look back in her career uh, with the parent trap as a kid and then playing two roles and and then in Mean Girls she was so good she actually does have some pretty good acting chops doesn't she
10: oh absolutely she's got it and it's just as good or even better and you're gonna see it if you haven't seen it already In falling for Christmas she really delivers and you just you said it right she's got the acting she's got the comedic chops uh, she's just, she, she lights up on the screen. She has the, the X factor and it's still there shining bright. And, uh, the world is, is loving it. Uh, you know, we, we hit a big mark, uh, opening with number one in the world on Netflix. So that was a huge, uh, a huge sign that people are ready for it.
2: That's the other thing, too, Janine. Uh, as Michael just mentioned, getting on Netflix is uh, so many eyeballs worldwide that you'll get on this. Was that sort of rewarding yet nerve wracking simultaneously? <laughs>
4: Well, it was really exciting. We've been wanting to work with Netflix, and this is our first film with them. And it was such a great collaboration. We had heard how filmmaker-friendly they are. And they, and they truly, they really do pay so much attention and take so much care to their, um, for the filmmaker's vision and making sure that we get it on the screen. And then they do such a great job in their promotion and marketing as well so that everybody does realize what's out there and have an opportunity to see it.
2: The other thing, too, is we need to know the the plot here, so uh, take us through it a little bit, Michael. What are we looking at here with this film?
10: Well, it's a a young heiress that uh, believes that she has everything in the world, and uh, through some Christmas magic and a wild encounter on the top of a ski mountain, uh, she lands on the other side and uh, forgets who she is, and she forgets the snotty, snobby heir she is and kind of gets down to earth, meets a, uh, a very humble, nice guy that owns an inn, and she really finds out a lot about herself, about uh, family, and uh, it, it really is uh, a wonderful journey for her, and you do see the full the full journey, and you you get to live that experience. Uh, sometimes you think, you know, you have everything, and you then all of a sudden have a chance to see something else wonderful, and it really enriches your life, and her life is changed for the better, and the family that she encounters uh, through this wild Christmas twist of fate.
2: You know, it's funny, Janine. I think maybe uh, uh, filmmakers with a little bit more trepidation would say, oh, you know, Lindsay, what if she goes off the rails? What if social media takes over? You were never scared of any of that, were you?
4: No, you know, we had a chance to meet Lindsay before we started the project, and we got a really good sense of how grounded she is, and she really is a professional. She really takes her job very seriously. She's incredibly prepared, and, um, and she's, you know, on, on top of being talented, I think that she has everything else, the business sense that it takes to back it up, because it's not an easy job, and um, she came back when she was ready
2: and uh, also michael they say don't work with family and friends so uh, <laughs> how, how's this going with you Too two guys <laughs> Oops, we,
10: met. we didn't get that memo well we we've, we've uh, this is our <laughs> I, I know where you're going go ahead
2: no i just mean is it i guess it's a, it's a blessing and and i don't know i, I don't want to say curse but it's it's hard sometimes isn't it well
10: um, no actually for us it's fantastic we've made 16 movies now together and uh, we have a great time. We write, we produce, we direct. Uh, we, we have, we, it's sort of this organic um, process and collaboration, and we have a really great time. And this is awesome because, you know, when, when, at the end of the day, we can actually talk about the same thing we're working on, you know, versus, you know, you come home and you're talking about something like, I can't relate to that. Well, she can relate to everything that I'm saying, and I can relate to everything she's saying. So uh, we, we have a, some very fun and, dinner conversations, but
4: we love I, it. I think it's safe to say we have a lot in common.
2: Yeah. <laughs> that sounds like it.
10: We do say, okay, okay, that's it. Wait, let's talk about something else but movies, just for a minute. Okay. That conversation lasts about 30 seconds.
2: Yeah, it doesn't sound like you guys are miserable together. <laughs> what would be, Janine, if I could say, look, you have three minutes to show your favorite part of the film, what, what would that be?
10: Oh, Oh, you gotta draw on
4: that one. Oh my gosh. I have I have a lot of favorite things. Um <laughs> I I think that um you, you know you like the horse scene. I do love the horse scene. I think that, you know, there's a thing about when you when you put animals in a movie and there's the moment where Lindsay goes and she talks to the horse because she doesn't really Have anyone. She's feeling very, she's feeling alone in the world and doesn't know who she is. And she kind of bears her soul for a moment there. And I think it's a really sweet moment, and it's kind of a turning point um, in the movie, and I think that Lindsay really showed a, a, a vulnerable side, and it's a really beautiful, touching performance on her behalf, and I think that we shot that on the second day. Yeah. Um, so I think at that point, we, Michael and I looked at each other and, and said, okay, we have a movie here, because I, we like to make people laugh, but we also like for them to also feel something and be moved as well, and it was, it was quite moving, that scene.
2: Now, Michael, I used to watch Young and the Restless in the 80s uh, a little Uh bit. That was the only one. You knew the question was coming. So speaking of fans, (laughs) how many people hear your name and they want you in all these movies? Uh Oh. you're so kind. Well,
4: I will say that is actually true. He can answer, but that is definitely true. Oh, <laughs> uh, you're too nice. You're too. The problem is
10: that <clears throat> I spend so much time in hair and makeup. You know, with my '80s tall hair, <laughs> that you know I would eat up the clock right now. So, well, it's funny you do mention that because I am doing a little surprise visit to Genoa City on Young and the Restless for Christmas and New Year's. Wow. So it's the 50 year anniversary. They called, they said, look, we're doing this something special. And, um, you know, would you be a part of it? And I was really thrilled and honored. And, you know, the fans have been so good to us and the fans of young and restless fans have been supporting us on all of these movies, um, you know, helping us make our first, you know, big hit with a Princess for Christmas number one, and then Christmas Waltz number one, and now making uh, Falling for Christmas number one. So we have to. I mean, I just I love our fans, and they've been so uh, incredibly supportive, and we're very grateful.
2: And uh, Janine, I would also, you know, as as Michael was just mentioning. You have a real Christmas theme going on here. What what is it about? I mean, we all love Christmas, uh, but uh, what, what is it about making multiple films about it?
4: Oh, Christmas is just—it's so much fun to make um, Christmas movies because basically the heart of the story is about um, about family and friends and love and and magic and spirituality, and it's just all all of the positive things in life, and everybody takes a moment to kind of stop and reflect on, on what's important to them, and um, it's that just makes for a really great opportunity to tell a beautiful story, and we like to put out inspirational and hopeful messages.
2: Very cool. Just one more question for you each. Michael, when you're on the street, what do you get more? Hey, it's Danny, or do you get, hey, rock on?
10: <laughs> well, you know, I get, I get both. That is true, because I do get a lot of Michael Damon, rock on. Uh, and also, you know, it's kind of fun. And I, having done Joseph uh, in the technical, the dream coat for two years on Broadway, I also get, hey, it's Joseph. I'm like, I'm looking around. Who are they talking about? Oh, they're talking about me. Uh, so I'm very honored. Hey, just as long as they recognize me and don't call me, hey, you know, hey, you a weird person, come over here. Uh, no, I'll even, I'll even react to that and come over. But, uh, no, I, hey, listen, I'm just very grateful and blessed that I've had a chance to, um, to wear those different hats and to experience all those different amazing journeys and those were dreams come true for me uh those were all goals that i set in my mind and so uh, i'm very grateful if they you know take a moment to recognize me and say hello
2: very cool and finally uh janine are you already working on falling for christmas to Lindsay's revenge uh-huh.
4: We are well, most, well, we're not working on that yet because the fans have to get out there and, um, and rally for it. And, I, and um, that's, you know, a very good possibility. We just finished shooting um, a rom-com called Irish Wish that also starts, stars Lindsay. So it will be her second movie and our second movie with her. And we are in post-production right now, so that will be coming out in about a year. But, um, yeah, keep a lookout for Falling for Christmas too because we would love for that to be our next project.
2: And Irish Wish. But for now, everybody, especially now that we're in the holiday season, Falling for Christmas on Netflix, starring Lindsay Lohan and uh, uh, Chord Overstreet, George Young, Jack Wagner, Olivia Perez, Alejandra Flores, a lot more. And um, produced and directed by the filmmaking couple of uh, Janine and Michael Damian. Congratulations, you two. And thanks for coming by.
4: Oh, thank Uh, thank you you. so much for
2: having us. All right, I'm Rick Tittle. We'll take a quick break, and we will get on back on Sports Byline.
7: This Thanksgiving at Total Wine & More, find bourbons and cabernets that you adore. Our helpful guides are so friendly and nice, the bottles so perfect and perfectly priced. So gather with friends as you sit down to eat, grateful for all who made Thanksgiving complete. Love what you find. Always lowest
1: prices at Total Wine & More. Drink responsibly. Be 21.
19: Call today and ask about our buy one, get one free offer.
0: 800-761-9334. 800-761-9334. 800-761-9334. That's 800-761-9334.
16: Rick Tittle once
7: threw a tennis ball at a donkey.
2: All right, thank you for that, and welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you. we got open lines if you'd like to get in. 1-800-878-PLAY. La Belle France has turned around that 1-0 deficit within a five-minute period, and it it's now France 2, Australia 1 in the 40th minute. And um, France um, got a great goal from uh, Rabio. Robbio, I love you so. Oh, that's Genio. Uh, <clears> Robbio <throat> is one of those guys. It's funny, he's the Juventus midfielder, along with Weston McKinney. They chose those two guys over Dejan Kulisevsky and Rodrigo Bentoncourt, who are now with Sweden and Uruguay and with Tottenham Hotspur. But anyway, Rabio with the Juventus, uh, he scored the goal on a uh, unmarked header in the box on a pass inside. And then he just rolled one uh, for Olivier Giroud to score. Olivier Giroud, uh, now with 50 goals, that's second all-time. Thierry Henry, 51, was one ahead of him for France. Uh, Giroud did not score in the World Cup last time in seven games, although they did win the World Cup. He did score in the Brazil World Cup. He had a goal against Switzerland in that one. But the funny thing about Rabiot is that last World Cup, he didn't make the team, but he was put on a standby list. And Didier Deschamps, the former French defender who's now been the coach there for over 100 games, he sent a, uh, I guess, a a binder. I don't know, maybe it was an email. But he said, those of you on the standby list, here is your training regimen for the summer. Because the World Cup was supposed to be in the summer. It's because they're playing in the desert. That we have to have it in the fall or the winter, I should say. But uh, Didier Deschamps gave Robbio and some others a um, a regimen. It's not a regiment. You're not in the Army. I was like, what's your uh, workout regimen? Like, what are you, a boot camp? <clears throat> so uh, he gave him the uh, workout thing, and Robbio said, look, if I'm not on the team, I'm going on vacation. I'm not going to work out all summer, waiting for somebody to get hurt at the World Cup. And Deschamps said, you are a disgrace, and you're off the team forever. And so uh, he was off the team for two years. And then he was so good, they're like, okay, you can come back. <laughs> <laughs> to me, when Jeff Agoose burned his USA jersey in his driveway after he didn't make the World Cup team the second time around, I, I thought he should never, ever play for the United States again. <clears throat> but, and, and he was just the worst I remember an own goal against Mexico, another time where he rolled the ball for Harrod Borghetti to score at Estadio Azteca. And another one where he was doing a clearance and he cannoned the ball off his own post. You can't make this stuff up, folks. Um, But when I look at the upset this morning in the history of the World Cup with Argentina losing to the Saudis, is it one of the top five upsets of all time? And... I think you'd say maybe. Maybe. Uh, Mohamed Al-Owais, the goalkeeper, was fantastic. But here's the thing. Argentina had not lost a game in 36 matches, not since 2019. They are the Copa America champions. So they're one of the favorites. So a draw would have been shocking. So, yeah, you could say this is one of the top ones of all time. Uh, One of the other ones I already mentioned was also Argentina to uh, Cameroon. And uh, that was a Francois Biat goal, a guy who played for Club America in Mexico City at the time, a guy who I got to meet at the World Cup. What's interesting about Cameroon, uh, to me anyway, I try to stay awake uh, through all this, but Cameroon, when they came to USA 94, they had had a beef with their FA And they were not getting the bonuses and the money they were supposed to. So they actually threatened. The first game at Stanford was Brazil Cameroon. They threatened to not play. And so the FA didn't give them jerseys. And I've told this before, but they went down to Soccer World on Holly Street in San Carlos. They were selling um, Indomitable Lions jerseys. They started printing them up. That's why you'll notice in that game in the second half, the numbers and names were peeling off the backs of the Cameroon jerseys. But at one point the media was getting in the face of Roger Mila, who's the oldest player ever to score in the world cup. I saw that that was a game, Russia versus Cameroon and uh, Russia had finally stopped being CIS, the Commonwealth of independent States as they were called at the European championships in Sweden, two years prior at Sweden 94 <clears throat> and Oleg Salenko. This is back when you'd still have um, Ukrainians playing for Russia um uh, and uh, Dimitrescu got one, not Dimitrescu, uh, Dumitrecu, he scored two. But I saw Oleg Salenko in that game with two teams that had already been eliminated score five goals uh, to uh, equal just Fontaine's record for France. And I also saw Roger Mila in that game. In that game, I saw a guy score five goals, Oleg Solenko and Roger Mila, the oldest goal scorer ever, and that was a throwaway game. <clears throat> there are no such things as throwaway games in the World Cup. It just doesn't happen. But anyway, um, at the media center where I was working in Stanford, there was this giant tent set up right next to the uh, football stadium. And um, I was told to help form a human chain, and so we all joined arms and then... Uh, Milan Beek was screaming, and he said, it was you, the media, that were doing this. It's your fault. And I remember his elbow and his hand and his arm was coming right by my face as I'm forming this human shield to keep the media away. Yeah. Anyway, that was the game two at Italian 90 at the San Siro, the Estadio Giuseppe Meazza in Milan, where AC Milan and Internazionale Inter play. Uh, that Cameroon won, and uh, Pompidou broke his leg, the Argentina goalie, and uh, Sergio Goycicea had to come in, and he had a great World Cup. One of the things you'll notice in that game if you watch any highlights of Italian 90 is that almost all the games, half the seats were empty. And that's basically the way the World Cup worked. Um, The first World Cup to ever sell out was the United States in 1994, the country that apparently doesn't like soccer, right? Um And that's because we're event hogs. Look at the Taylor Swift tickets. There's this thing going on in spring training next year called Innings, which is a stupid name, but it's Green Day and Eddie Vedder solo. This like rock festival, and it's like $300 to get a ticket to that. I saw this other thing in Austin, Tyler Childers and Charlie Crockett. $450. Who who has money? I mean, like these hotels cost more than flights now. Anyway, uh, I digress. Cameroon over Argentina, one nothing. Now Saudi Arabia, two one over Argentina. Um, Some people were saying, oh, this is like Switzerland, Spain in 2010. No, it's not. That was one nothing. That wasn't as shocking as you might think. Some people will say North Korea over Italy in 1966. Well, the Italians had two world cup goals. Uh, under their belt, and that was Pak Du Ilk. He was the guy that scored the only game of the uh, the match. And the interesting thing about North Korea is that in the next round, they got off 3-0 over Portugal, and that's when they had Eusebio La Perlanera, the black pearl. And then they lost 5-3, <laughs> which was an interesting result uh, as well. <clears throat> but you know, you can think of, uh, as I mentioned, Senegal, the opening match at Korea and Japan. The the French were fresh off their World Cup. They had Thierry Henry and Zinedine Zidane in their prime. And uh, Papa Bouba Diop, who sadly died a couple of years ago, he scored the winning goal. He took off his shirt. He placed it on the ground. He did a little dance. It's one of the most iconic moments in Senegalese history. And the other thing is... It was that Patrick Vieira was playing for France, the big Arsenal midfielder who I once saw score in person at the FA Cup semifinal at Old Trafford in 91, no, 2001. But that big dork is from Senegal. Um, You know, France definitely takes advantage of all their uh, former colonies to bring in talent. It's sort of like the Dutch do with Suriname, which used to be known as the uh, Dutch Guiana. You think about Ruud Hullett and Frank Reichardt and Edgar Davids and all those great players with the Surinamese roots. But, yeah, it was like the French team, the champions, playing with a bunch of Senegalese guys, and then Senegal beat them. But for me, and, you know, as I said, you can look at some of these great World Cup upsets. The the biggest one I ever saw was Algeria beating West Germany 2-1 in Spain at the 82 World Cup as West Germany... A team at that time that had two World Cup trophies under their belt uh, will would win two more. Uh, but uh, that was uh, a shocker, there's no doubt. But to me, the biggest upset of all time, and I'm sorry, I don't care what year it is, it's the USA over England, won nothing in 1950. And there was only one reporter, a guy from the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, that went to Belo Horizonte uh, for that game. And when the ship uh, sailed back to England and uh, the – well, the newspapers, first of all, from the Wire reports, it said USA won, England nothing, and they thought it was a misprint. So they printed in English papers that England won 10 to nothing. And Gaetjens, the guy who scored the goal, Dutch Heritage. uh, We had Walter Barr, the son of uh, Chris Barr, the, uh, the kicker, and Jim Barr, who was also an NFL kicker as well. Chris with the Raiders, I think Jim Barr was with the Bengals, I want to say. But, um, you know, England was unbeatable. The first time England ever lost a home game at Wembley was to Ferenc Puskas and Hungary, the Mighty Magyars. That was in 1954, and um, I, I believe that game was 6-2 to as well. And that just sent shockwaves around the world. It's sort of like when the USA doesn't win the Olympic gold medal in basketball. It's like, what's going on? This isn't supposed to happen. And so, yes, it is one of the greatest upsets of of all time. Um, I know there are some real Argentine haters out there. I used to not like Argentina. I've gone a little bit softer on them. I think about Mauricio Pocatino and Christian Romero and Eric Lamella and Tino Tainio and um, some of the other... Uh, Tottenham players of Argentine heritage, obviously Ozzy Ardiles, Ricky Villa, um, FA Cup glory for those guys as well. And that was hard, especially during the Falklands War. I mean, they left and then had to come back. When your country's at war, it's kind of hard to uh, to keep that going. But, yeah, I mean, this is they've expanded the World Cup not just by players. They've expanded the World Cup uh, up and down. And uh, Matt is the other Uh, That's right, Matt Barr, not Jim Barr. Jim Barr was the pitcher. B-A-R. Jim Barr was a pitcher for the Giants. That's right. Um, I think Sparky Anderson, one time I had him on the line. I'm like, yeah, Ron Barr is going to be coming up next. He goes, oh, yeah, pitcher. I remember him. I didn't correct him. I thought Ron would run with that. All right, I'm Rick Tittle. (laughs) We'll take a quick break. Come on back.
0: That's 800-725-1651. Paid for by Legal Alert Line.
8: To me, it's like a mountain. A vast bowl of pus.
7: his servants
2: a couple minutes left in the uh, show and uh, there is a four-star high school quarterback from florida named marcus stokes he's a white kid i'm pointing that out for the reason of this story he committed to penn state and then changed his commitment to florida well he posted a video mouthing the words of the song called welcome back isn't that welcome back connor But apparently the N-word is in it, and he posted it on his Twitter account, and they've pulled the scholarship. And so now uh, Marcus Stokes uh, has put out his own tweet saying, I was in my car listening to rap music, rapping along to the words, and posted a video on it on social media. I deeply apologize for the words in the song that I chose to say. It was hurtful and offensive to many people, and I regret that. I fully accept the consequences for my actions, and I respect the University of Florida's decision to withdraw my scholarship offer to play football. My intention was never to hurt anybody, and I recognize that even when going along with a song, my words still carry a lot of weight. I will strive to be better and to become the best version of myself, both on and off the field. I know that learning from my mistakes is a first important step. Marcus Stokes. I don't know if I could have said it better than that. You know, I feel bad for the kid, but you got to know you can't, you just can't do that nowadays and you really shouldn't do it ever. But especially now on social media, it was pretty boneheaded, but good response anyway. I'm Rick Tittle. We will take a 22, 21 hour break, 21 hour break, and we'll see you again.